This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that knows the difference between losing to City away and beating them in the Champions League final, just for the avoidance of doubt. Now, uh, the definition of madness is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. If Chelsea's defeat to Man City tells us anything, then clearly either the attackers are mad or Thomas Tuchel is, and I don't think it's Tuchel. Uh, While Tuchel's team selection was debatable, his game plan was arguably working. Chelsea's defence was cohesive, and we were keeping City out until a worldie by Kevin De Bruyne on 70 minutes, ultimately the decisive goal. But it was up front yet again, where Chelsea failed to make chances count. Yes, Tuchel played Pulisic, Ziyech and Lukaku together for the first time, but I'm sure he didn't ask them to pass backward rather than getting the ball forward quickly, or lose possession instead of holding the ball up, or dither before crossing, or blazing chances over the bar, or straight at Edison. In the scheme of things, losing to City did not end the title race for Chelsea. The inability of Chelsea's attacking players to find the back of the net and repeating the same mistakes against United, Everton, Burnley and Brighton to name but four and on many other occasions as well this season, most probably did. It's enough to drive you mad, I tell you. Anyway, the title of the show tonight is, appropriately, The Definition of Madness. Uh, Chelsea Fancast number 869. Good evening, Mr Kidd. Hello. Sorry, I just had family with a piece of chicken in me gob. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Lovely to be on the show. Good to mm. see you. Great to be on. Thank you so much. Um... Um, yes. Um, Who we um, got on? Oh, do you want to tell you that? Yeah. Can we not just not? Can we not just ignore them and you and me do it? Well, it would be pretty <laughs> shit if we did. Let's be let's be let's be super frank. Yeah, let's be completely super frank. It would be a load of old cobblers, a load of old bog, bollock, bog, boglocks, bollocks if we did that. Yes. Well, we have uh, uh, not in any particular order. We have the the very handsome, uh, expressive. 
Uh, which you're both guessing which one is it going to be he's talking about <laughs> but um beglassioed um he's got his specs on and uh, yes it's uh you're you're pretty handsome as well sam hey 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 um uh, uh man about town will be taking over from chidge and me eventually of course it's dane whittle good to see you dane you're right evening everyone yeah I, I'm, I'm looking forward to this i don't know if it's the sadistic side of me but I always look forward to the fan cast, you know, when we had a bit of a controversial defeat, defeat with like lots of points. I really look forward to it. Maybe yeah. it's to air, air some crap as well. Yeah, it's, it easier, it's easier to, to, to be expressive and slightly lose your temper. That's what I like about it. You know, yeah. it's that. Yeah. You can vent a bit, can't you? Really? Yeah. You can, you can it, feel better for it. It's very but funny. Course, Sorry, go on, Jake. Go on, go on, go on. No, I was going to go the other the other great guest who I don't know what he believes he's going to be putting himself through because he's going to be on for, for two and a half hours. More, three <laughs> hours. Are you aware of that, Sam? Three and a half hours when we get ranting and going. No, 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 oh. no. Not, not three and a half hours tonight, mate. Oh, no. Three and a half? No. It has been known. It has been known. When... No, I'm kidding. Yeah. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I just wanted to make you feel welcome. Um, uh, it is, of course, uh, football.london's Sam Incasol, who is uh, um, brilliant at expressing great thoughts about um, our football team. Yes, indeed. Good to see you, Sam. Good to see you all as well. Thank you, as always, for having me on. Yes, I think it's only the second time I've done one of these uh, Monday, big, long episodes on a Monday night. So, yeah, looking forward to, to hearing what you guys have got to say and having a good old natter about Chelsea for a couple of hours. Yeah, it's a very different show on a Monday. And, and I like the fact that our Friday shows and our Monday shows are so different and it's even more delightful when we have the likes of you on Sam I have to say but of course you know this is your last Chelsea fan cast very sadly isn't it I had the good sense to book you in for a Monday night before your news didn't I what what's happening in your world Sam yeah um so I'm I'm leaving football London um on Friday this week so that's the 21st is my is my last day after after a year covering the club and uh, five years with the with um with football london so yeah it's uh it's time for a change i'm going into covering my my other other passion of mine which is horse racing i'm going to work for the racing post yeah. wow. and um yeah so i'm going from going from football into into horses and don't ask me for any tips or anything like that because i'm hoping but... you come on anyway to talk about football <laughs> <at some time? laughs> if, if, if you have me back on jay hayden i'm sure i can come oh, on and have we, have we, have we make him a regular because oh, he's so not? good. I know, I know. Well, why? Sam's well. Sam will be welcome back any time, as he yeah. as he well knows. Get you on, get you on, regardless. Uh, particularly if we need some horse racing tips. I've got. I was just going to say, actually, uh, Sam. You know, uh, getting involved with horse racing or horses is about as reliable as getting you know behind footballers. I think. I mean, the, I yeah. think the analogies are all 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 there. You know, flogging a dead horse. You know, <laughs> Brian Clough. <laughs> if you were a horse, we'd shoot you. You know, I don't know. I mean, first, it's... first past the post, etc. Yeah, et yeah, yeah. It's all those kinds of things. But yeah, no, it's been a great one. I've thoroughly enjoyed my time uh, covering Chelsea for the last twelve months. I couldn't, it couldn't have really gone much better. I mean, I got to cover a Champions League final, a, a Super Cup final. I've gone through two managers, yeah. and uh, and yeah, it's been it's certainly been a busy twelve months, and uh, it, it's been a, it's been a great experience. And obviously, coming on here with you guys, um, every every month as well has been has been great. And I can't thank you enough for all your help and support and. Over the last twelve months. Well, Sam, that's very yeah. kind of you, but it, it's we who should be thanking you because you've been brilliant. I mean, mm. I, I, well, the minute I found out you were were taking over from the lovely Ollie Harbord, he'd be, become quite a fixture for us, hadn't he? While he was here, uh, I, I, you know, me- messaged you instantly and and got you on as quick as I could, and I haven't regretted it for an instant because you've been brilliant for us, and I really, you know, really very thankful for the time you've given us because I know how busy you are. So to mm. step out and do this on a Friday or a Monday. 
is a big ask. So thank you, Sam. No, thank you. So you're very kind of you to say that, but yeah, thank you. Anyway, enough stop, enough, stop enough. Talking, talk, talking about me. Okay. More, more, important, more important things to focus on. Well, indeed there are. Indeed there are. Now, on the show tonight, in part one, uh, we look at Tuchel's questionable team selection, where the defence worked, but we struggled up front with poor performances from, from Pulisic and Ziyech and Lukaku, of course. And in part two, we look at the good and the bad of Romelu Lukaku, who, as I said, had a poor game on Saturday, before drilling down on the systemic issues with Chelsea's failure to get their strikers firing. And while we say Alvida Zane to the Premier League title, we explain why it's not all gloom and doom after a 1-0 loss to City away. And in part three, we've got another guest on. Who knew? Well, we're going to have a chat with Dylan Polk, who is from Carefree, Louisiana. Uh, and I, I, fully, I really, you know, one of my favourite Tom Petty songs is Louisiana Rain. And I'm I'm toying with the idea of demanding that that Dylan sings it, you know. I, I might maybe I should just like land. I might land that on him later. Anyway, so we've got Dylan Polk from Carefree Louisiana on, and he's going to be telling us about the Mardi Gras weekend uh, that they're planning in New Orleans, which just happens to coincide with the club. World Cup in February. Uh, following that, we've got the results from this week's fannies for the City match. Well, I say we've got the results. Uh, number one, we didn't have a full complement of nominations. And secondly, I completely forgot to put them on Twitter. I'm very, very sorry. So that means that it's not all bad news. It means that me, Jonathan, Dane and Sam get to choose, which I know for a fact that Jonathan quite likes anyway. And secondly, Jonathan can also nominate where there are gaps. How about that? I'm all heart, JK. Thank you, because I've got several as always. Yeah, I thought you might. I thought you might. So there we go. So it's a bit of a kind of a, you know, home-based home, home based, uh, fannies this week, but we'll have them. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, loads of Discord. Well, load. I've got a couple of Discord questions. Uh, and we've also got, we have got loads of emails. It's very funny and strange that we get more emails when Chelsea have lost. I can't think why that is. Maybe they need to get some things off their chest. Anyway, we've got a few good ones. Uh, so there we go. Part four, round up the show, as always, with a quick preview of the Brighton versus Chelsea match on Tuesday night, tomorrow night. So there we go. Loads and loads and loads on the show tonight, as always. Now, of course, do not forget you can listen to the show live. Live! Every Monday at 7pm or there or thereabouts by going to Mixler, which, of course, is mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea Finecast. And, of course, there are loads of people in there now, all the usual suspects, including people as esteemed as uh, Mr. Mark Meehan. He is, uh, he's there, blue bloke, the lovely Diana. Oh, lovely to see you in there. Chev's in there, Loz is in there, Pierre is in there. See, all these people, Andy's in there, Jesso is in there. You know, all these Claire's there too, lovely to see Claire. All these people quite often uh, frequent our Discord group as well, so I get to chat to them all week, which is uh, great fun. So there you go. Now, after this very short break, we'll be back to talk about the football. Mr. Kidd, uh, the team selection, uh, you know, normally we sit here and all we say is, well, you know, we got a few wrong. 
blah 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 blah. But um, we we we. I don't know whether we got it wrong or not is immaterial. I think I think Tuchel got it wrong this week. I mean, I remember I I, I put a message on our group on WhatsApp. Frankly, very surprised, given that we thought that he would probably you know be a bit more aggressive and or, or at least you know if he was going to play a counter attack game, he would play the likes of uh, Werner. You know, I think we have Mount in our side as well and Havertz. You know, uh, but uh, no. We mooted the possibility of Lukaku not playing, didn't we? We Chief? did indeed. We said, he's, we said he'd had the ninety minutes uh, yeah. in, the, in the Spuds game, and um, and there was a great um, possibility that Havertz, who hadn't played at all, would. So we'd have we'd have a very similar side to the uh, without um, James and Chewell, of course, to the the side that um, and Christensen, um, not the start, the won the European Championship. So uh, it was a big surprise to see. Zaya and Pulisic and when they came out I actually thought oh well he's he clearly wants the couple of wingers to play and there'll be a massive service for uh, for yeah. Lukaku but boy was I wrong no, well, we'll we'll get into the the, the horrible and uh, horribleness of that in a minute I mean the only other thing that I thought Sam you know on reflection uh because I mean it'd be easy for us to sit here and we will in fact sit here in a minute coating both Pulisic and Zayachov no doubt but you know, that's easy to do with hindsight, isn't it? But I think reflecting on it, I, I, I did wonder that given effectively really how defensively he set up and given that, you know, he had Aspie and Alonso as wing backs, that maybe he had Pulisic and Ziyech in there because he knew that they could also cover for Alonso and Aspilicueta. Do you think that was in his head? Uh, probably, yeah, it probably was. And it, the, what I found interesting was after the match, he said that he wanted the reason that he selected ZH from Pulisic was that he wanted runners, um, but left Timo Werner on the bench, which I found a, a strange one. Um, <laughs> so to, the only thing Werner can do is run. Uh, <laughs> perhaps yes. I, I'm still I'm still sticking behind Timo as I have done for the whole twelve months that I've been on the, doing this podcast. So I'm still going to sit behind, get behind Timo, and still. Before deluded. You know, I know, I know. What's Chelsea done to me? But um, yeah, it's. So that, was, so that was that was the strangest one for me was Werner not being selected. I could perhaps see why Ziyech or um, or Pulisic might have come in. Um, well, I certainly didn't see Mason Mount getting dropped. That's for sure. But yeah, it was a very interesting one. And as you rightly said, though, Chidge, with hindsight, uh, it's a wonderful thing when it when, when it doesn't work. And yeah, it it just everything else went all right apart from that front three. Yeah. The trouble is, one goes into these things with 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 the intent of supporting the manager. You see that selection, you go. Oh, I get it. I see what that might be. Yeah, he wants to give support. He wants to, as you say, there'll be runners. And it's only afterwards that you appreciate, actually, neither of them's particularly informed what the fuck was going on. You know? Yeah, it was a bit. Um, uh, Dane, you know, the the other thing that, that I, I thought was a bit strange, although, well, I mean, I suppose one has to dress it up in the sense that, you know, I think he... I mean, I, what I can't understand, sorry, I'm going all over the place here because this is it is a bit complex. But, you know, in the presser beforehand, you know, he held his hand up and he said, you know what, I got it wrong uh, back at Stamford Bridge in the autumn. And he did. Yeah. We were far too defensive. We gave City far too much respect. Uh, Pep, I thought, played a tactical blinder. They were in our face and it really paid off. So I, I thought when he was like saying, I'm not going to do it again, he meant it. And... I, you know, actually, I think, as I said, it was very defensively set up. But what what I do find odd is if he if he was going to play Lukaku, you know, what's what's seems to work a little bit better to get Lukaku more involved is this four two 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 that he's been playing. I mean, he played against Spurs and we looked pretty good. 
So wh- why did he not do that? <laughs> God knows. Yeah, Answers really on liked. a postcard, please. <laughs> yeah, I really liked it as well. It sort of transitioned into a into a you know a free with wing backs in it when we when we didn't have the ball. You know, it was, I was the good thing about that first leg uh, against Tottenham was I I hadn't had a drink, so I could really see how well we set up, how well everyone moved, which is which. Dane, I, I hadn't had a drink before we started, but I soon changed that idea. <laughs> So yeah, so I, I did I did like that tactic. So yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but in, in Tuchel's defence, I think he did get a lot right. And unfortunately, uh, you, you know, we've got the wing backs we have due to injuries. You know, we can we can go over them all day, but you know, we have got two brilliant, probably bordering on world class wing backs who are out injured and they're irreplaceable. So you lose out there. I've said before on, on, on shows, out, I think our system goes down by a good 25, 50% without them too. Uh, and and we was in good positions. You know, we broke them up. We pressurised them. And, and I remember a good seven, eight, nine times where in good possession of the ball, either we checked back, either we had an awful pass or the runs from the front three was just not good enough. So it was a little bit better than the home game, but it wasn't, yeah, he, he was just let down by the front three, unfortunately. Yeah, I think so. JK, you've got an answer for us, yeah? Well, I actually think that that they they up their game. I think they, the reason we looked as if we'd played exactly the same way as we played at the bridge was because their running was even, their pressing was even better. Yeah, Kante, Kante had absolutely, they, they targeted him and he had no but, time at all. But also, they? I mean, Foden spent the whole of the game running at Kepper. That was his role. He, that was entirely what he did. He just, he, he meant obviously he got the ball and passed it around excellently because they're so good, good at passing. But I just felt the press was phenomenal. And I thought that the out ball was going to be a boot. And the trouble is, is you need, I'm sorry, I can't help but get on to aspects of what we're going to talk about later because this is part of it. The out ball, even if it's just a boot up the field, needs to have the, the £97 million player actually win a header. Yeah, yeah. which he failed to do for the whole of the game yeah. against Stones. Yeah. So if he wins the header from the out ball, which is just a boot down the pitch, um, he then plays in one of the wingers. If he doesn't win the header, the ball is immediately back yeah. again and the press continues and the passing yeah. continues. Absolutely so right. so re- even if he's... And the, the very fact that he said it was going to be different, they played so well and we played in areas badly which allowed them to continue the press. That was my view. Yeah, I mean, I, I hate I hate to sound, uh, and I hate I'd hate for this show for the next hour or so to sound churlish because you know I've sat here and uh, bemoan. I mean, I think when Sarri, uh, when we lost six nil up there, you know, I I I bemoaned the lack of a pragmatic manager who t- just thought, no, fuck it, let's just park the bus and hit him on the counter. You know, we've beaten City many, many times like that. It'd be very churlish to sit here and complain that Tuchel's doing the same thing in a way. But I don't know, I th- just think I think maybe I expected more, really, from, from Tuchel and, and from us. But Sam, what do, you, what do you reckon? We've been playing this 4-2-2-2, four, 4-2-2-2. Two, 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 four, two, 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 and actually, OK, admittedly against Spurs, but it did look quite good and it did seem to, you know, provide... A better environment for for Lukaku to play in, I think. Yeah, he needs someone up there with him. There was times on on Saturday lunchtime where he looked incredibly isolated by, uh, up there by himself. And uh, as JK was alluding to, sometimes there was those long balls being punted up to him, and he wasn't be, wasn't able to to get the ball under a spell. Um, I do like the four two 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 that Tuchel has because um, I think it means 
it, it gives it gives Marcos Alonso a rest, I think, as well, because I wouldn't be surprised if they play against Brighton um, and on a t- on Tuesday, and perhaps put Malang Sar out there, who's done really well in the last couple of games that he's played as a played in that defence. And it also shows that Tuchel can be tactically flexible as well, because we all assumed and we all thought that he was just going to be wedded to this three five one one whatever formation three five two one sorry formation worked so well last season, but he has been able to employ this four two two two. Um, this Ralph Rangnick, apparently, uh, who was the one that invented this formation. And it, it works well, because hey, admittedly, Tottenham are not very good in those two games um, that they played them. But Chelsea seemed to use it quite effectively, having not really trained with it. I think they only had one, one training session before the game, getting to learn the formation. And it seems to suit them well. And it means you can also get Mason Mount, Jorginho, uh, Kovacic and Kante all in the same team at once. And then... Yeah. Those are arguably your informed players, your better, your better players at the moment. Then you need to get them all on the pictures as, as often as you can. And yeah, I think I'll say I wouldn't be surprised to see it on Tuesday at Brighton because I think it works quite well. Why, why didn't you think Mount play? Did, why, why didn't Mount play? Do you think? Oh, Tuchel was giving him an absolute earful um, at the Spurs game on Tuesday. With, uh, sorry, the sorry the, uh, the, the the week before, um, he was he was copping a load of flack from Tuchel. Was not happy with how he was playing. Um, obviously, benefit of us being close to the pitch, we can hear what he's saying, and he was constantly giving him a but. Oh, and he swore then. I'm not. I'm sure I can swear, but a, bar- a barracking, I'll say, um, constantly. So I'm not sure if that was a bollocky some, barracking. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if that was anything to do with it. Um, maybe he has been a little bit perhaps under par in recent weeks. I mean, maybe you're comparing it to some of the world-class levels that he was performing at the back end of last season. And then obviously he went away with the Euros of England and played a lot. And then has looked a little bit tired, a little bit jaded in recent weeks, maybe wanted to give him a rest. But I know Tugel actually said in his press conference today that, that Mount is Mount is giving him the evil eyes. Like he doesn't like being dropped. And um, he'll probably come back with a point to prove, I think, on Tuesday. He has to play on Tuesday. I'm certain of that. But yeah, I think he maybe just took him out of the firing line maybe for one game, even though he wouldn't have liked it. I mean, you know, it's up to the manager. That's his job. And, you know, as you said, it may prove to be a good thing. And I I don't have a problem with a player being really pissed off about being dropped. I'd have a problem with a player who wasn't pissed off being dropped. Um, but I do think I do think he did look, a, you know, a poor version of himself against Spurs in the last game. So I see that point. Talking of good things, because there were good things about this match. And I, I know there was a massive meltdown, you know, afterwards. And, and I, I, I think really that has a lot more to do with the performance of the strikers, which we'll get onto in a minute, rather than the actual game itself. Because I think if you look at it a bit more dispassionately, you know, City scored one worldie on 70 minutes and, you know, they didn't really have much of a look in before that. Uh, and the reason for that, Dane, was I thought the defence were excellent. And when you consider that, you know, he literally found out at the, the 11th hour that uh, Christensen couldn't play because he got COVID, uh, which meant he had to bring, uh, had to play Silver again, of course, but also... We had Saar, Silva and Rudiger. Rudiger was on the right rather than the left. I have to say, I thought they were exceptional, but particularly Saar, Dane. I mean, you know, I remember when he first played for us, we were like, oh my God, he's awful. And (laughs) every match he's played since, he's got better and better and better and better. And I thought he was absolutely superb on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. He's raw, a little erratic with passing and positioning, but like Chiloba, you've got to appreciate and respect where he's come from like a fairly short space of time, you know, potentially very exciting, you know, Tuchel being one of the the best coaches, you know, in world football, he could really have a little gem there. Uh, He's got some really good attributes, you know, he he likes to put a tackle in, he's fast, he's got a decent spring on him, you know, likes to give it as well. I've noticed, you know, the more he plays, the more he's got to say for himself, which I really like. 
totally agree with Sam uh, getting a bit ahead of myself, but my team selection for Brighton, I've got him on, on the left, uh, bombing up that side. I thought he did a really good job in the second leg against uh, uh, Tottenham. Yeah, I, I like him and and I like the look of him. And hopefully, I don't know how true the rumours are with, with, with Milan. Milan seemed to be sniffing around any sort of player who... You know, just bordering, hovering on 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 our first eleven. But yeah, I like the look of him, and it takes patience if you're going to sort of go with him and Chaloba. It'll probably be one or the other. You know, not I don't mean to get rid of him. I just mean to get in the team. But yeah, Rudiger was solid. Uh, I liked. Any time Grealish went near Rudiger, it looked like he shut his pants. <laughs> and Silver, yeah, Silver gets looked after. He's he's, he's class. He's a class act. You know, Kepper was good after. too. You know. Yeah, uh, again, yeah, there was the debate great, about great whether he was a bit flat-footed on, on, on the goal. Maybe harsh, maybe not. You know, I'm not a goalkeeping expert. But, yeah, I thought he was good as well. And it, it was a shame because, as I said earlier, I thought we'd done a really good job on them. It, I thought Dave defensively was was excellent going forward. Again, we're always going to have that complaint and that debate about him going forward. But he does a job for us at wing-back. It's not going to be James, we know that. But defensively, against uh, Man City, I thought Dave was superb. Yeah, JK? Um, I thought the media were very unfair on Alonso, who I, I didn't think... Um, well, he had Sterling on him, and he tried to do his best. Right, when was he booked? But, but he, well, funnily enough, it didn't help matters much that he was booked in the first minute. It was the first it? minute? Yes. Jesus. Yeah. Yes. So uh, the consequence of Alonso being booked meant that um, he was slightly on eggshells for the rest of the game, unlike any of their players who, uh, as we've worked out, foul serially and nothing is done. Oh, like Barcelona used to. Yeah, very, very similar. <laughs> Funny well, I that. Think that. Allusions have been made to, to Busquets constantly uh, fouling, but I think it, it's a serial thing and it's something that, I mean, I've, I've gone on about, I went on about this on Twitter during the week, as did Clayton, in fact, was that... Uh, um, the, the the referees are just absolutely blind to it. And the only one who appeared to do anything about it was Michael Oliver with uh, Herrera in that um, United game a few years ago. And I thought, oh, this is great. This is going to be the beginning of them appreciating who is actually taking players out um, one after the other, which has obviously been the manager has told them to do this. But lo and behold, the same thing happens all the time. Any attack that Chelsea, any decent attack, somebody's pulled back in the middle of the pitch. And um, uh, Pawson bless his little wooden cotton socks and head, decided that he wouldn't, uh, he wouldn't book anybody from City, which was, was just, there was one tackle at the end there when Foden, I think, took, took Pulisic down, where he kicked him halfway up in the yeah, air. It was Cancello, oh, wasn't it? Was it Cancello? Oh, it was Cancello, yeah. Where well, he stamped on him. Yeah. What the, what the fuck? And where's, where's VAR with this? I absolutely despair of everything to do with referees. Mm. The, the laws need a change. Uh, the 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 personnel need a change. The, the I mean, it's it's each week we come on with there's always some raging inadequacy going on with the, the officials. I just I despair of it. But um, as I say, I thought I thought that you know Tuchel himself alluded to this today in the uh, the press conference. He said he felt that the momentum of the side had suffered because we didn't have the best team available. Now the trouble with that, of course, is that City have so many excellent players that they can rotate at will. Whereas um, Tuchel is now suddenly saying that he believes that uh, basically Alonso and Dave aren't, aren't good enough in comparison with Chilwell and reading between the lines. And uh, he, he would Dave, be right. But he would be indeed absolutely right. However, um, 
it isn't the excuse that Guardiola would be making, I think, because uh, he has uh, he has better players at his um, at his disposal. Yeah, I think that's a difficult one for Tuchel, though, really, isn't it? I mean, you know, you can hardly I mean, he is saying it, but he can hardly directly say, you know, uh, that we need to be spending like City and having to generally, well, you know, I kind of, I feel his pain there. And I, I, to be fair to Tommy Tuchel, I think he's arguably probably the most honest manager uh, that we've had in front of the press since um, since Ancelotti. I would say I think Carlo was always very honest. He was. I mean, would you agree with that, Sam? I mean, you've been actually well. I mean, sadly because of COVID, you've not been in the same room with him, but you know what I mean. Only once, and that was in uh, away at Malmo when um, the, the Swedes took a, a very different approach to COVID, and I actually did have to do an in-person interview with with Tuchel there. But you're right; he is very honest. Uh, he certainly just tells you he tells you like it is. He doesn't he doesn't bullshit you. He doesn't hide behind anything. If he's got something to say, he'll say it. Um, although maybe he's starting to become a little bit more wise, I think now to because um, he's constantly getting pushed on cancellations and things in the Premier League and all the whole Lukaku stuff, and he's becoming a little bit more reserved in that regard but he's being a bit more selective with what he answers but yes he is very honest and he also what i really enjoy is that he just talks he talks to you like in tactics he actually anybody makes you understand it and he he's not going to try and hide behind anything he will tell you straight down the middle this is what i'm planning to do this is what i wanted to do maybe it didn't work blah 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 he owns it and yeah he's been a very interesting manager to to cover for the last well, it's been nearly 12 months actually it's almost a year to the day isn't it really since he was appointed yeah, 26 next week um yeah, I thought the defence was good, bottom line, and, and I think that side of his game plan worked very, very well. And I agree with you all, actually. I thought it was tremendous. It was brilliant. Because, I mean, I actually wrote in my notes, as you know, because you've seen them. I thought, oh, God, we, we, we better take Alonso off. He's going to get skinned by Sterling. He's going to do another foul and he'll get sent off. And you do not want to be 10 men down against City. And yet he was faultless for the remaining uh, remainder of the match. Him. It was excellent. Yeah, it just shows what a what a good professional he is, and what a what an experienced professional he is. Because that, you know, against City, that takes a lot not to get booked. Um, anyway, on the from the good, we go to the to the bad. And uh, uh, I mean, I I I did wonder why Pulisic. I mean, you know, I don't need to prove it to you lot. I mean, the boys here know because I put it up, you know, before the match. But I was very not impressed that he'd started Pulisic and. Uh, and uh, and Ziyech, I have to say, um, but they were woeful. I mean, there's no other way forward. I mean, you 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 know, as a manager, you can you can set a game plan and and you can set tactics. But if if the players have a stinker, you know, what do you do? Well, you take them off. That's what you do. And eventually they did. But I, I mean, for me, it was 69 minutes too late. But I mean, beyond all that, what I can't understand is this. You know, I know that you know, arguably, you know, that they're in in different form. I mean, Pulisic has been you know, in poor form, I think, for, for most of the season. You know, Ziyech is up and down like a yo-yo. But what I don't understand, I mean, Pulisic, for example, we, we've seen what his great strength is. His great strength is at dribbling and beating players. Um, so we don't ever see that. And then he, he dithered, didn't he, with that cross. He should have put it in first time and, you know, one, two, three times and then boom, you know, he didn't and therefore he didn't get it across. But so there's this whole idea that they don't they don't move the ball quickly enough. Um, but what really grinds my gears and I saw this all the time with both of them. They got the ball halfway line ish and what it needed was a quick ball through to Lukaku, which we'll talk about him in part two on the other side of this coin. But opportunity to put a quick ball through. And they don't. They sit there and they wait and then they pass it backwards. And, you know, JK, uh, mate, 
I, I'm, I'm getting sick and fed up of talking about this same issue every week. We talk about it every week. This is what I was going on about the whole madness thing in a way. But, you know, why are they doing that? I mean, is it an obsession with possession? You know, is Tuchel telling them that? Is that an instruction? Is it an obsession, as we've talked, spoken about before, of not giving the ball away yeah. and setting up another attack? Is it that? Are they scared in this situation of taking the risk? Yeah, but I mean, he, he's, I, he, go, know, he goes very... on, doesn't he? He says they need to be more brave. They need to yes, take... So yes. maybe he's not telling him to do that. Well, perhaps their, their, their default is to play it back. But, um, you know, we've given Zayek a lot of... A lot of uh, slack haven't we over the last few weeks because he does do excellent things amidst the awfulness but i thought he was that was the worst i've seen him play because he was doing playing those you know, over hit passes for no apparent reason you know when you're in a position well, that back pass instead yeah. of a pass to lukaku i mean tuchel went absolutely apeshit yeah but it was so did we all yeah so did everybody yeah. in the away end went absolutely yeah. Yeah. you know i'm afraid there were lots of get that fucking ass out of the club <laughs> get out of my club no you yeah, get, out. get out of my club <laughs> simon simon from windsor who was next to me was uh was very vocal about this very vocal as i said as well as being very vocal with the man city fans in a very um authoritative way all the way through the game and with a very uh animated wrist if you know what proper i mean Chelsea, love it well yeah, done proper simon chelsea. proper chelsea was yes he was, he was he was fun um and very informed i have to say he just said uh uh, great defence. Defence is great. He said, we've got some great midfield players, though they're giving the ball away a bit today, which has happened because they were pressed. He said, none of the forwards can do it. He said, I'll get rid of them all, this bloke said. He said, get rid of them all. Not one of them. He said, Werner can't do it. He said, uh, "He said Havertz is a bit hit and miss. Even, you know, even him he was he was critical of. But, yeah, I felt that that was the worst game that Zayek has had. I mean, I thought absolutely. And the trouble is you are playing against the best side. But then surely this is when you try and pull it out of the bag. This is where we want to see you being the the, the player that we paid all this money for, um, uh, not to actually become even worse. And poor old Pulisic is just um, he's just similarly playing dreadfully. And then so there's no no support being given to Lukaku at all. We're going to get on to him in the second, second half. In the meantime, neither of those neither of those players is at the moment is good enough for the side. I mean that, that that's exactly the, I mean Dane I mean it's always good to talk to you about Pulisic because I know you've got a a big connection to the states but you know the reason why I was surprised to see them start was because if you if you were to sit there and say well okay who are our most informed attacking players I I I think you'd have struggled to make a case for Pulisic certainly quite arguably Ziyech as well although he has you know as I said he is a bit up and down you know Werner for all his many faults uh I thought was a brilliant outball for us against Spurs the other night, you know, and he and he might have done a better job. But you know, what what do you think? I mean, it's, it, there's a kind of combination here, you know. Number one, they were very poor, obviously, but I still can't get you know my my head around this this you know. I'm hoping that either you or Sam can come up with an answer to this as to why Chelsea so often look to go backwards rather than try and play forwards. I think it's it's got a lot to what JK said earlier, you know, but he doesn't want to seem seem to be the one giving the ball away, you know. Pulisic is yeah, obviously I prefer, hindsight's a wonderful thing. I you know, I preferred it when we, we didn't have any American players. So then I can separate, you know, the national team and to players who play for the club team because it's obviously it's quite hard to see him. He's he's getting a lot of stick. He's got to be a big boy about it because he's not playing well. He's clearly a confidence player, you know. I get recently he's been sort of making up the numbers in the team to an extent. 
uh, he's a forward player, but as, as we said, instead of attacking spaces or making space or playing direct, he, he, he would check back uh, for all for Lukaku's faults. And I know we're going to get onto him. He did make himself available and, 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 and space quite a few times. He didn't get the ball when he did get the ball. Obviously, he was either beaten by stones, but a couple of times he was in a really good position. Uh, how long do we keep on mentioning Project Restart, you know, or... Or last season, Pulisic had a good spell way at Real Madrid. And I sort of blame Tuchel. He was in a really good bit of form. He looked his best for a while. And then he rested it against him against Fulham uh, and put Havertz in. And we didn't see see him hitting that form again. Uh, Ziyech, yeah. Ugh, it's not good enough. Another one, actually. Sorry, sound a bit. Uh, I do feel like sorry Simon, for him. Simon of Windsor, you're very like him. Not good enough for you. I, I do feel sorry for him. You know, he's similar to what we would usually say about Fabregas, where he likes to be a quarterback. Not the same position, obviously, but he likes to dictate, you know, always be in charge of the ball. But the players around him in the system do not suit him. You know, you can either accept that or just keep slagging him off. You know, I've said it before, you know, you need modern day fullbacks. Again, obviously, our... our Brilliant fullbacks are injured. Need fast, mobile players. Unfortunately, our team do not play to his strengths. Call it limited. That's just the way it is. You know, he was bought for a system, but we don't play anymore. Uh, and you know, either these two find a way to adapt to what Tuchel wants, or you know, they will be out. But it's not just him. You know, Werner as well. You know. It's so easy, you know, I saw a lot of stupid tweets about, oh, we should buy him, we should buy this person. Hindsight's a wonderful thing. When we bought Warner, he was at the Werner, he was at the top of his game, banging in goals. Do we play to his strengths? No. So many might ask why we bought him. Lukaku as well, he's had a bit of a whinge recently. We're not playing the way he expected. Well, God knows what he expected. Are we playing to his strengths? You mean, did he, did he not watch Chelsea play last season? Well, exactly. <laughs> Even the last three games, he's missed a lot of chances. Uh you know, I think JK was also right, you know, on, on his on his two minute videos that he, you know, you expect a 97 million pound man to put them away. There was a couple at Tottenham, half chances, but you at least expect him to take one. Lots at Chesterfield. That one yesterday, again, you know, we're making excuses for people and I was sucked in by Lukaku. Yeah. Uh, you know. we'll, we'll, we'll rinse him in part two, but um, so you make a good point there, I think, Dane, about about Ziyech, I mean, bought under Frank, wasn't he? And I think for a very different way of playing than we do under Tuchel. I mean, Sam, you know, Tuchel, I mean, I think he's a brilliant manager. There's no doubt about that. I, I would describe him as a technocrat. And I know you're pretty close to all this kind of stuff. So, you know, I do wonder if uh, there is a bit of a, a contradiction in terms here. You know, if he's saying to the players on the one hand, I, I need them to take risks and be brave and make that run and make that pass forward. But on the other hand, he spends hours on... And I don't know this because I've not been to Cobham and seen them train, but I'm I'm under the impression from what I read and hear that like a lot of technocratic managers, he's very much in into his, you have to be here and you have to be there. And it's all very, you know, metronomic. Um, I mean, you can tell me, Sam, if, if I'm right with that. But I wonder if if in a sense that that makes it quite confusing for the players because it kind of does beat any inherent flair and creativity out of them doesn't it yeah i think with with both of them um 
they kind of like to be a bit mercurial and they kind of like to wander around and they kind of like almost essentially do their own thing like they don't want to necessarily be pigeonholed into into one position or do do one certain job they like, like to be creative and can float around between the left and the number 10 on, on the right and vice versa and swap around but Tuchel always speaks a lot about um, precision in his press conferences he loves that word precision and they just they're, they're not the kind of I don't think those two are the kinds of players that can that, that, that can do that and be to say precise and they, I think they mentioned it to say they don't want they don't want to give the ball away it was Jake sorry I can't said they, they're scared to give the ball away because they, they're not as precise as say a Jorginho or a Kovacic or a Kante can be um so yeah it's a tough one Pulisic has certainly been a victim of his own versatility I think in that Tuchel has played him at left wing back he's played him at right wing back at times he's played him as a number 10 he's played, he even played him as a as a, as a central striker a couple of games didn't he when when Lukaku was out. Um, Ziyech just hasn't been the same player since he suffered that shoulder injury, I think, in pre-season. Well, in, sorry, in the Super Cup game. He was in. He scored six goals in five pre-season games, was looking really good, picked up that injury, and it just hasn't quite been the same player since. Um, they're just too inconsistent. And when you really need that consistency in that final third, and unfortunately, those two don't have it. But then again, nor do Werner and Havertz at the moment, or Lukaku, for that matter. So, I mean, it, it feels almost unfair to be castigating those two, especially when considering, I think Chelsea's attacking prowess over the last few weeks has been pretty poor. And it's not just down to, say, it's not just down to, to those two. It's, it's, it's across the spectrum there. They've kind of all been a little bit off the boil. Yeah, I mean, you know, one other thing I would say about Ziyech is that, um, you know, he, he was, you know, he was excellent at Ajax. He was the he was the main man there. He was their best player, and playing in the Eredivisie is a lot lower stand. I mean, for God's sake, we send our eighteen year olds out there to to get experience, and they do well out there. Mason Mount did very well out there, for example. So it's a pretty piss poor league and standard. I'm mean, okay. I know they they got to the Champions League semi-final the other season, but they're a lot of good players. But I think I think players like Ziyech get found out when they're playing the likes of Man City. Man City, as J.K. was saying earlier, and quite rightly so, are a very, very, very good team and a very, very well-coached team. And I think, you know, up against that, he, he kind of finds his level a bit, really. But there you go. Right, have been bullied as well, only by Walker quite a bit as well. Yeah, well, Walker is a bully. I mean, somebody really needs to slap Walker. He's, I mean, you know, he's, he's not all that, surely. Anyway, right, we're going to have a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to be uh, carrying on this discussion, focusing on uh, Mr. Lukaku uh, and uh, more kind of talk about the strikers, basically what what's going on with that. Why do we keep seeing this week in, week out? And we have done for a long time. And then we'll wrap part two up with a bit of a chat on uh, obviously the league uh, title ambitions going. But maybe it's not as bad as we think it is. See you in a sec. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters. And proper Chelsea. Welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast, and I am, of course, Mr. Stamford Chidge. And uh, with me on this very evening is uh, the Lord Sinjin Sir Jonathan Kidd. <laughs> Can I change my title? Can you, I be Baron? Yes, you can be. We can promote you to Baron. Actually, Baron and Lord is the same. Are they? Yeah. 
Okay, well, I'll be Lord Baron then. You, that means you could be like Donald Trump's son. He's called Baron. Is he? Oh, you could yeah. be Baron Baron. Baron Baron. Baron. <laughs> I could be Lord Baron of Baron. Thank you. I'd like that very much. Thank you. Indeed. Good to see you, as always, mate. Uh, we've got uh, the wonderful Dane Whittle, star, uh, co-star of the Went to Mo King's Meadow podcast. Evening. Good to see you, mate. And uh, last but by no means least, the lovely Sam Incasol from Football.London. Hello, hello, hello. There we go. Only the best for you lot this week. Right. Um, we do need to talk about Lukaku. Dear old Lukaku. Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. Um, JK, I thought, was incredibly restrained, not just on his... Uh, Chelsea fan bite. I was rem- I was amazed how rest- I, th- I was expecting the shit to flow on. Oh, uh, it was because I was I admired City's performance yeah. that was part of it, and I I felt resigned after seeing the first well, ten minutes. I just thought we're going to be really lucky not to to lose this by several. Well, and and I thought you know I thought we're defending well, but they're having you know we're, it's last minute stuff. Grealish should have scored. Great save from Kepper. Um, they had a couple of goal. They had a couple of shots that they should have done better with, and it became it was pretty apparent, pretty obvious, early on that we just weren't going to get the ball anywhere near the goal, other than to segue beautifully into uh, Lukaku, yeah. Lukaku's um, opportunities. You know? I, I've just had a, an, a. This has to be read out, J.K., um, because it's from our mate Steak. Stick, stick, Mr. Stick. Because we have had some praise from Mr. Stick. And if you get praise from Mr. Stick, it has to be read out. This is on Mixler, people, right? He says, hey, guys, really fair chat about ZH and Pulisic, I felt. There's a way to address poor performances in context and some compassion, and I thought you did it well. Uh, though I won't hold you to that standard for the lump up front. Well, you know, <laughs> I think we I think we did all right by Mr. Stick, which is quite remarkable. Thank you, Mr. Stick. Much appreciated. You're, you're absolutely right, J.K. But I, I do think you were restrained, uh, very restrained earlier on, actually, when we were beginning to talk about him, because, you know, I mean, there, were, there is another side to this. And I think we were all alluding to that, actually, in part one. But let's be honest, um, his touch, which I went ballistic about, uh, on Friday, you kind of got it out of me, didn't you? You teased me, and I just yeah, went yeah, yeah. bonkers. Yeah, you said I'd been a bit bit horrid about him, and then you suddenly then you I, went for him more than I did. I know, I really went yeah. for him, didn't I? Anyways, yeah. his, his touch was abysmal. I mean, he, he can't trap cement, uh, you know. And he, and he, I mean, he, he lost possession ten times. I mean, he only had twenty touches, so that fifty percent of the time it was when he lost possession. He was out muscled by John Stones. Uh, I mean, that idea of passing and not, you know, to Ziyech, who was offside instead of having a shot when he was in a good position to do so. I that just was absolutely oh, wasn't that. I mean, I have to say, if you ever have a an anti-Guinness moment, you know, uh, I actually went absolutely bananas in the ground when that happened. For the for fucks, I was they, the air was was not blue is the wrong word because blue is the air. He's paid to fucking put the ball in the net. You've, actually, I'm now angry. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it wouldn't take long. <laughs> I'm now really angry. That was fucking hopeless, wasn't it? I mean, Jesus Christ. What the fuck? You've just got the goalie in front of you and you've got well, the City players not is, hasn't even got anywhere near you and he's fucking Zayek is off and he passes to him instead of shooting. What the fuck was that all about? Changed the complete com- complexion of the game. One up early on. What the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> indeed. 
we could end the show. That is a mic drop moment. We might as well go home, you know, although we're already at home. So there we go. Right, the other the other miss that he, he did later on when the gold, when Edison saved wasn't good enough either. But that that first one was absolute shit beyond belief. Indeed, indeed. Simon, indeed. Simon of Windsor was worse than me, I have to say. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I think I would have been losing my shit if I'd have been there. Um, I mean, the interesting thing is, Sam, you know, I mean, there's so much conjecture about this, which is why I've, I've, there are very few, you know, quite often I go a bit mental on, on having lots of topics to talk about. And I've actually gone for very few tonight because there's so much to talk about in the very few that we have. And they are more complex than, than they do appear. I mean, you know, it seems to me that Chelsea bought Lukaku or Tuchel is playing Lukaku like he is a target man, like he like Drogba was hugely effective for us. But he can't be a target man if he's not capable of holding the ball up, as in winning it in the air or actually having enough technique to control the ball and lay it off to somebody. So if he's not a target man and he can't do that, then what is he? Um, well, he's he, he's just got to be the man that you got to look for in the box, and you got to find, you got to get good delivery into him, which he was getting from the likes of Ben Chilwell and Reese James. I mean, Dane spoke about it about those two world class players when they're not in your team, and they were creating hell of a lot of chances for him. Um, I know he wasn't necessarily converting them all the time, but he he hit some good form at the start of the season, and it was no coincidence when it, it was when those two were in the team, and. Unfortunately, Saturday he kind of rem- he reminded me a bit of the the Man United Lukaku, which is where it started going a bit wrong for him there, and uh, kind of play- playing him as a target man there, and he wasn't very happy, and then ended up ended up leaving and going to Inter Milan, and where he was, how many goals did he score? Did he plunder something like forty seven, I think it was at Inter, um, playing well, playing in the front three again, and um, maybe he just had better <laughs> just had better service from those from those other front men. I don't know. Um, it's a weird one with Lukaku. You kind of feel like Tuchel is going to have to persist with him because of his price tag being one, and the fact that he he is still a world class striker, elite striker on his day, and we know that he can that he can score goals in the Premier League. But there's no doubt about that. But then you do have to balance it out. Maybe he does need to be taken out of the firing line. Could that perhaps be on Tuesday against Brighton? I know there were calls for him perhaps not to play again on Saturday against Man City. Whether that is off the back of the, the whole interview stuff and he's coming under even more heavy scrutiny, perhaps. Um, Tuka doesn't know what his best front three is. I think that's pretty clear. Um, and he doesn't know quite how to to, to, to to work with Lukaku just yet. And considering this was the man that he identified in the summer as the missing piece... Oh, well, did, is, did he did he identify uh, him or did the club identify him? It depends who you believe, I suppose. But um, I, I refuse to believe that Tuka would have agreed to a signing yeah. of, of, of of Lukaku if, if, if he wasn't fully confident um, in, in him being able to integrate into the team properly and and having a and having a big impact on the on the side I, I can't imagine for a second it was uh about we're going to go and get the best striker that's available and spend the best part of 100 million pounds on him I do believe that Tuchel would have had a big input because he's got quite a bit of a bit of sway at the club as we saw with the whole Lukaku interview stuff over the last couple of weeks so yeah that's that's, that's my opinion that might depend who you believe yeah JK and previous interviews with Lukaku, um, uh, just after he joined Chelsea, he said that he felt his all-round game had improved and that he was good at taking people on. And that was now one of his strengths that he'd added to uh, to his skill set since he'd become, since he'd been playing at Italy. And, uh, and we saw a snatch of that in the, uh, in the Villa game. 
when he he got the ball and left Mings and uh, the other guy behind him for the penalty. But um, we have yet to see that in any other guys at all because he just he can't control the ball. And he 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 unfortunately gives me slight nightmares because he reminds me of Tony Hakeley, who was a similar um, purchase. Mind you, Tony was great in Spandau Ballet. Yeah. <laughs> that was gold. That was Chich. Oh, 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 true, oh, true, true. Be true, very true. Yeah, oh, he beat me there as well. Okay, okay. Uh, hey, Neil. Yeah, very good. I can't think of any more, any more uh, stand-up. Uh, uh, oh no, no. Uh, yeah, no. The trouble is, he promised us a miracle. Oh, oh no, no, that's a simple no, no. mind. Oh, that's shut up! Mind. Come oh, on. Sorry, sorry. Communication is letting you down. Yeah, yeah it. Well done. Well done. Yeah. Um, Obviously, you can't yes, keep so I... that pressure on, Dane. Oh, please. <laughs> I'd love to get involved in this, but I can't. You're too young, mate. You're too young. <laughs> I, I'm too old. That's why I can't remember it. <laughs> Give me something like Ferry Cross the Mersey or I Feel Fine and I'll be good. Um, but, yeah, no, that's my that's my view of it is that, uh, yes, Tony Hately, who was great with his head and could not control the ball at all, and it bounced off him all the time. So I'm having... 1966 nightmares. He did score a very good headed goal against Leeds in the 1967 semi-final, though, um, at Villa Park, where I, I was present there with my father. Mm. Anyway, yes. um, Dane, you know, the other side of the coin, as we have been alluding to, of course, is that, you know, Chelsea's, uh, whoever is up there with him or even behind him, uh, you know, he does make good runs. I thought Match of the Day actually pointed this out really, really, really well. You know, he, he makes good runs. He goes into good space. He's forever pointing where they should put the ball. the ball. And, 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 you know, the ball never comes. They just don't pass it to him. Um, they don't get it forward to him quickly enough, which is something I was moaning about earlier on. I mean, whether he needs to run, you know, like, like Kerry used to, you know, put a ball slightly in front of him so he can run onto it, or whether he's a player to feet merchant. I, I suspect he's not the latter, although he did okay at, that in, at Inter Milan. So, you know, either um, he's not getting the service from the players that we have because for some reason they're not capable of doing it, or, you know, as we've been alluding to a lot as well, I think, we've got the wrong striker or the wrong kind of player for the system that we play. I mean, I've been winning on all season haven't I about the fact that I don't think Tuchel likes to play with a target man I think Tuchel wants to do what Klopp does at Liverpool and, and play with three smaller more fluid interchangeable strikers but there you go what do you think Dane? Yeah well exactly that you know that would work with habits if we had a player either side of him who was banging in you know 20 to 30 to 40 goals like you know Salah uh, you know has done consistently for quite a few seasons now and Mane he's dried up a little bit but they've got goals from Yota. You know, and Firmino, you know, I like Havertz and I like, I really liked him in that role, but we just wasn't scoring enough goals either side. Yeah, I've, uh, you know, Sam, uh, absolutely correct. Uh, he sort of, uh, that was my fault. You know, it looks like I've been saying it for weeks now to whoever I've been sitting next to uh, on the day or watching it at home with, you know, it looks like we've got the United Lukaku at the moment, you know, the out of form. Lukaku and it's hard because I was so in the beginning of the season you know I, I thought he couldn't go wrong hindsight again you know I should have learnt my lesson because I remember us getting very excited about Morata I think I put it in our WhatsApp group you know especially after that hat-trick away at Stoke and that little glance of a header he, in Atletico Madrid when we beat them 2-1 and he looked like perfect all-round striker I think it was JK at the time was saying he had similarities to Osgood just the way he used to run you know yeah, straight yeah. back 
And again, with Lukaku, you know, I saw both feet, both footage, strong, fast, you know, could head at a ball. And yeah, it's it, we're going to have to find a way. You know, I know uh, Thomas Tuchel has recently said, you know, no, it's not about us adapting to him. We've got to all adapt to each other. And you're absolutely right. You know, as, as I said earlier, there was a couple of instances, got a few instances in the game against City where he was available. But you know, sorry for the fourth time of of, of saying the same thing. But if he's got a if he's got an Alonso, uh, you know who's who, you know he, he, he's not the Alonso that you know we 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 hide in such high, we hold in such high regard. It's Alonso, you know, who's raining a bit, and and Dave, you know, they're going to struggle to find him, and it puts so much pressure on the the the, the two the, the two either side of him because we we've got not a lot of attacking elements anywhere else in that. In that, you know, in that team, you've got the three centre backs, you've got the two wing backs, which you've discussed, you've got the two holding midfielders, and you've got either side that you've got to try and find, you know, to find Lukaku, and it's, you know, which is not suited for each other at the moment. Yeah, I think. Sorry, Jacob, do you want to butt in? No, I just want to say I, I don't think Alonso is somebody to blame for that. I think he he's just not playing very well with him. I don't think it's that he can't find him because the number of times that Alonso had the ball and he doesn't deliver, he plays another pass. Mm. I think Dave is a different matter altogether because I think we've established that Dave isn't a great crosser of the ball and his days as a wing-back are limited. And unfortunately, we're having to play him at wing-back because of the injuries we've got. Otherwise, yeah. I don't think... Tommy T would ever I don't think Alonso gets up that much anymore and he actually well, he does in previous games he has in previous games day and I think it was just against City that they just pressed him back all yeah the they time. did they did press him back I mean you know I think to in Lukaku's defense you know the, the the balls into him are pretty average to say the least uh, and I think Pulisic is more of a finisher than an assister you know he's you know I think Ziyech likes to kind of play these little kind of one twos and things I don't think that's necessarily Lukaku's game either. I mean, Sam, I think, I have to say, I thought it was quite interesting. I mean, I know he's denied it all day today in the presser, but I'm sorry, but I was watching the BT Sport interview live and it sounded like a, 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 a it, it sounded like he, he threw him under the bus, frankly. I mean, I'll, I shall remind everybody what he said. I'm going to refrain from trying to do a, a pathetic German accent like I did on Friday. Yeah, not, that, that annoyed even me. What? You've got mute, JK. You're, trying, you're shouting at me. <laughs> You did do one earlier, though. Did you I did do a Tommy T earlier? No, did yeah. I? We're, all, we're all nodding here. Yeah. So. Okay. Was it any good? No. Okay. Sure. I, which is exactly why I'm not going to do it again. Anyway, yeah. Lukaku said, uh, "Sorry, uh, Tommy Tuchel said Lukaku sometimes need to do the service. He is included in this. He had many ball losses in very promising circumstances, and he had a huge chance. Of course, we want to serve him, but he is part of the team and the performance up front." we can do much better. I mean, Sam, you, you're, a, you're a, you know, you, one of the journos. You've been in press rooms for a long, long time. I mean, does that sound like digging him out to me, uh, to you? Because it does to me. Um, a little bit, but then he he certainly back, backtracked on it when he spoke with the, with the written media, which I was part of after afterwards. And he was kind of, he was a bit more critical about the team in general and their build-up play and, and, and creating chances in general rather than throwing Lukaku under the bus. Um, probably realised that he might not want to be doing that considering what happened just a, a fortnight previously when uh, that, that interview came out, when he clearly wasn't happy, which was obviously three weeks prior to that, so five weeks ago. But yeah, it was um, it was an interesting comment for him to make. I don't think he was throwing him under the bus. Um, I think he was, he was he actually said he was quite happy with the performance, and which, which is fair enough. I think especially with the defensive midfield, it was just, yeah, as we all know, we've gone over already, that final third was just where they struggled. Um, so I think he just tried to rein it back in a little bit rather than completely 
throwing um, throwing the star striker under the bus and and whatever and kind of making it more of a collective problem that they had up there as opposed to an individual problem, which I think is the right thing to do as a, as, a, as someone that is as astute as as Tuchel is. But yeah, so it, it might have come across that way certainly in the in the BT interview, but he reined it back in a fair bit, I think, in uh, in, in 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 the written bit when he tried to clarify himself a little bit more. I think he was angry, Sam. I was. Oh, oh, he, oh yeah, he was. Oh, so he, he certainly wasn't. He, he, I say happy with the performance. He obviously had some big criticisms of of what they were doing in the final third. Um, he, he, as we said before, he doesn't he doesn't beat around the bush if he doesn't want to, and he will tell you tell you it like it is. Um, so yeah, no, I'm not saying that he was entirely thrilled, but there were good parts, and you have to remember Chelsea were keeping City at bay, not comfortably. But they were doing a very good job on them for seventy odd minutes until until that wonderful goal from from De Bruyne was the one that eventually won them the game. Yeah. Um, talking of Tuchel, uh, he, he also he also said this. I think this may have been in the in the uh, you know the the post match uh, presses. But uh, I mean, this really gets me very handily into you know the trouble with our attacking play at the moment. He says we we had not enough chances for the ball wins. Uh, the movements, the opportunities that we could have had. We could have had many more chances if we played with better timing and precision. That word again, precision. It's simply like this. The performance in the first half, in the opponent's half, we had eight or nine transition chances, and out of them, we didn't have a touch in the box. That's what I'm critical about, that you miss the chances. There's no problem in that. Everybody wants to score from every big chance, and of course you don't get a lot in top games. But efficiency, you need a bit of luck and composure. We could have had much more chances. That's what I'm critical about. The ball losses were too early and we were too poor in decision-making and timing. That was not on the level that we need on this kind of level of football match. And I mean, my own, you know, kind of reflection on not just Saturday, but on, on so many matches that we've seen this season, you know, the final ball is invariably really poor. We don't shoot on target enough. And if we do, we blaze it over the bar. And he's right. There's an absolute lack of precision. I think there's a lack of creativity. I moaned earlier on about the attack slowing down too much or worse, going backwards. So, you know, what I... I mean, I wonder whether it's a systemic issue. Is this a system issue or is this just an individual players collectively playing badly? Or here's my other thing, JK, at the moment. I wonder if we're talking systems, that Tuchel kind of, you know, put his eggs in the 3-4-3 or 3-4-2-1 basket. And we said earlier on, when you had Reese James and Chilwell bombing down the wings, they were our most creative outlet. Um, certainly the stats don't lie in terms of James. I mean, he's second in, in goals scored and assists, I think, if you add them together. He's pretty high up there. And, I mean, Chilwell not as effective in terms of scoring goals and assists, but he had that ability to bomb up and down. Of course, he had a great relationship with Mount on and he the had side. E- exactly that. But I wonder if, you know, having decided, OK, with the players that I've got, that is the best way for us to create chances by using James and, and uh, Chilwell so offensively. And, of course, now he's lost them and now he's stuck because he's... He's trying to, you know, this is the definition of madness. He's trying to make the same thing happen, but with the wrong materials. He's not being a good alchemist at the moment because he doesn't have the right materials to play the way he wants to. So I wonder if he can change, you know. I think we won the Champions League with making the same errors in the league that we're making now, which is that we were, we dithered about a bit and and played the ball to the wings. Whether that's once again, because he's so... um, desperately keen not to create a situation where the ball 
um, rebounds up the other end very quickly and the opposition have an ability have an opportunity to score which seems to be the case with if you have a shot from distance and it, whether that's been dinned into them that they have to get it into a uh, a less vulnerable position which is frequently just on the left hand or right hand side of the area and if you take a shot and it hits somebody and it bounces out you've then got you know, the two fastest players of the opposition are there for that. And they run down the pitch with the ball and invariably, unless somebody's very, very quick, has a, have a shot at goal or create a chance. And so we get we get found out that way. I mean, I I actually think that he's, he's an alchemist, Tuchel, and he made a side of uh, some of whom aren't great into us, into a it was the parts. He created a team that won the Champions League that didn't have those strengths that we're looking for. And we've been looking for a side this year that makes huge progress. And the trouble is, is they're still playing essentially the same way as last year without making the same errors. They can't put the ball in the net properly. So he buys Lukaku, hoping that they'll do it, but he's still got surrounding him. He's still got all these other players who aren't quite as good. And that's the wrong expression, quite as good. They're not providing, um, uh, they're still not, they're not shooting. They're making the same errors. They're trying to play another pass and walk the ball in the net, which is exactly what Abraham was doing towards the end of the, before he was transferred. We never felt he was incisive enough himself. So um, uh, with, with both James and uh, Chilwell out, um, you're not going to get the same service, but also they're not, they're not the same. They're not the same um, uh, incisive players in the penalty area as as James and Chilwell can be, who were both scoring scoring goals, and which is a shame from for um, uh, uh, Marcus Marcus's case because the seasons before in the past he that's been his main strength has been scoring goals, but even he hasn't been doing that. So uh, you're you're ending up with a side that is is um, very good at suppressing oppositions and getting the ball into the penalty area and scoring the odd goal, but is as we did brilliantly in the Champions League, but, uh, but I haven't managed to do this in the, in, um, uh, in, in the premiership. I have to say, here we are speaking doom and gloom about the side. I still think we're going to do yeah. very well as the season goes Don't on. Don't worry. I'm going to, that's covered in the last part. I leave this okay. big, big finish JK. Big, big positive it. I, finish. I've, I've preempted it slightly, but I'd no, like you to teased it. You teasing it. the possibility. You teased there. it. Um, Sam, I, I think the other area where we've got a problem with it, which I think actually JK summed that up really, really well. But you know, this is not a new problem for us either. Putting the not putting the ball in the net, not creating enough chances, da 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 da. But also a complete and utter lack of goals from midfield. We just do not have. Uh, you know, a what I would call an old-fashioned number eight. You know, a box-to-box midfielder who will join in. You know, he will he will be the guy that finishes off the move in 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 the sixth. You know, on the on you know in, in the penalty area. Like oh, I don't know, Connor Gallagher for example. What a great goal he scored by the way at the week. What a great goal. What a Lampard, finish. Lampard-esque, wasn't it? Yeah. Why did I write that piece for you ages ago? What did I say? <laughs> there you go. See, I know ball. Bottom line is that's also an issue, isn't it? Actually, Sam, I think a lack of goals from midfield, which puts even more pressure on the attacking players. Yeah, absolutely. And um, well, Mason Mount was kind of filling that job, wasn't he? Uh, back end of last season, I know he kind of playing in the front three, but he was also mi- dropping a bit deeper into midfield and making those runs in from midfield late into the box. And when the goals have dried up a little bit for, for Mason Mount at the moment, and Chelsea are, are struggling as a result in the final third. And 
yeah, it's it's it, it, it's a it, it's a what's the word I'm looking for? It's a it's a conundrum. Yeah, I think for Tuchel, well, it's a big conundrum for him. I've got a, there's another thing I want to fly in here, and I I found this thing totally by accident as I was bored on Twitter. I think <laughs> on the bog, I was probably sitting on the bog and bored, and I'll, I'll have a look at Twitter, and I can't remember for the life of me who I found this from and I'm very I'm very sorry to nick it from you and not give you the credit for you but they they actually had an interview uh with Tuchel after the Spurs game um from a foreign broadcaster so not not it wasn't uh Sky I think covered the the uh, Caribou didn't they so we wouldn't have seen it I don't was know it if off huh? was it was it TV2 in Norway yeah well it might have been but this is what 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 they said um blah, 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 blah. right he said it's sometimes basically on having too many options up front, which I think is a very valid point. But this is also a Tuchel problem too, I think, as he kind of admits without really perhaps realising it. It's sometimes hard because we have so many options. You can sometimes be caught up thinking too much who to let play. Uh, sometimes it's nice to have not so many options so you keep on trusting the same players. Maybe it's a bit hard for them. Uh, he didn't say this, but I think what he meant was if they're in poor form. But it can bring back their confidence. We have a lot of offensive players, so it's tempting to change a lot. And that that maybe costs us a bit in the confidence they need as a striker. Now, of course, as we know, you know, this was the first time that Lukaku, Pulisic and Ziyech have played together. And I think we've had something like 23 different combinations uh, in the in the front three this season. So I wonder if, Dane, you know, and we've said this on the show way back, I remember it, that he's got... You know, he doesn't know his best side. He doesn't know his best attacking side. And in a sense, we've got too many options up front. And actually, as we all know, you know, we've been watching football a long time. Like the defence needs to play together a lot to get consistency and an understanding. So do the attackers. And in a sense, he's overthinking it. And, and, and he's got too many options. And he needs to basically stick his colours to the mast. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's why I liked the, the uh, Tottenham tactic so much. Because it allowed us to bring in a fourth offensive player who uh, opened up, you know, because as I said, as you just said, he's been playing so consistently with the three. Uh, you said earlier, Pulisic is a, a more of a finisher, not really an assister. Uh, ZX struggles in this in this system, in this formation, but he did look good in that first leg against Tottenham. Havertz likes to play, obviously, the, the Lukaku role, uh, but likes to come deep. You know, I kept on hearing how much we, we were signing a general... A general Gen, what's the word? Sorry, I can't get my word out. General, generational play. Gen, generational. Generational. Generational player. Sorry. Generation game. Cuddly toy. But so, Bondi what position set? is that for? What position is that for? I, I, I do. Does, does anyone know yet? And we're, we're, you know, we're a season and a half through. Werner again. You know, if you put him on the free, is he an assister or is he more of a finisher? So you know, it is a lot of square pegs and round holes, and it is it is worrying. Uh, it, if he if he sticks with the same three, then you're absolutely correct. Will we see more consistency? But I, I, I you know, I've said this a few times when I'm moonlighting on other podcasts. You know, if if you write down if you if you're bored, you know, you want to write down the players and then system the tactics. How many times are you going to be writing down who this system actually, uh, you know, supports? So yeah. it brings the best out of. It will be a small column. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Um, J.K., you look poised like a cobra. Do you want to say something? Moonlighting on other. Oh right, yeah, yes, I know. He was on the Chelsea that Chelsea podcast the other week. Yeah, yeah, they're they're all a bunch of tarts. Our our mates, our so-called mates on the Chelsea fan cast. You 
Oh, I know, oh, mate. He's, he's looking. Chidge was on London is blue. <gasps> no, that's a. Yeah, I was. I admit it. No, Chidge. I know, no, I know. They asked me what. What you know? Oh. And I like them. I'm just jealous. Nobody ever asked me. That's because I banned three years ago as well. Yeah, I ban. Yeah. I banned them from asking Chidge. That's what you do. They tried to. I, I said, he's mine. Yeah. He's mine. He's all mine. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I've got another quote. This is a good one. Uh, but this is not from a, a football manager on TV. This is from uh, uh, the lovely Donal, who, who is usually hanging around in Mixler and, of course, is of the Podding Shed Parish. And, I mean, I mean we talk about the uh, the fact that he hasn't played the same, you know, strike. Well, you know, he's made 23 or whatever it is, variations. Of course, this all needs to be set in the context of what is going on at the moment. And one of the reasons why he's finding it hard to play the same people is, of course, they're either injured or they've got COVID or they're absolutely bloody knackered. Donald Donal, who is a very very bright guy, by the way, as you probably know from his uh, uh, midshipman uh, Foley uh, emails into us, which are works of genius. He's a bright bloke, and he's, this is what he said: Chelsea may be rich and victims of their own success, but as with other teams, they've dealt with injuries and COVID. Uh, since the league break on November in November, starting the twentieth, they've played seventeen games in eight weeks and had the following number of rest stroke travel days. Two, four, two, two, three, two, four, two, two, three, two, three, two, two, three, two. That sounds like a hell of a system, though, if you could play that. Anyway, uh, <laughs> now uh, there are two days to uh, to a rearranged Brighton game that's Tuesday because of TV. Brighton's fourth game in three and a half weeks. Man City, eight days between their last two games. Spurs have a week. Constant change to accommodate COVID, injury, rest, etc. Plus mental fatigue will take a toll if it hasn't already. Has Tuchel ever had to manage a schedule like this? Every game matters. Restricted coaching time, how will he manage the stress? Particularly when clubs are benefiting from what, to all intents and purposes, are shenanigans. Uh, no wonder he's so pissed off about that in the presses. Uh, we haven't even had the benefit of someone else's cancellation. Gotta hope it tips our way second half of the season, but I'm not holding my breath. I can see player burnout being an issue, Bearing in mind it's Tuchel's first full season, he's got a lot on his plate. And I think good old Donal has nailed it there, Sam. I mean, you know, it's all right for us to be moaning about all these six systemic things, but he's he's really juggling fire here and it cannot be easy for him, right? No, and if you remember the two clubs he was at before, PSG and um, uh, uh, Borussia Dortmund, they both had... The luxury of winter breaks where they have was it three weeks off or was it three and a bit weeks off i think in the in, in in the winter time um so you get that time to rest and recover and recuperate you don't get that in the premier league and he had yeah he did say earlier today that um he couldn't understand the the rescheduling of this brighton game uh while they couldn't play it on wednesday because obviously say palace uh, sorry brighton last played on friday chelsea play on sunday brighton have had uh two extra days rest as opposed to chelsea heading into this one and when you remember they played nine games in 31 days in December as well. Then they had the COVID outbreak through there as well in that time. And the injuries, players were still coming back. Remember Callum hudson Doy played in that Wolves game off the back of one training session. Um, Mateo Kovacic, when he came back, he only had one training session before before he was thrown back into the starting lineup. And they had to play N'Golo Kante more minutes than he wanted to, Thiago Silva more minutes than he's wanted to. So yeah, there are certainly mitigating circumstances at the moment. And I think that's why you do have to potentially have a look at Chelsea's league position. I know they're sitting in third, but they're 13 points behind. But they've been dealt a seriously poor hand, I think, over the last, what, six weeks or so. 
Um, we can talk about the postponements and the reasons behind the postponements until the cows come home, I think, because especially after but what the Arsenal North London derby won at the weekend, which I think really got Tuchel's goat up. He really didn't like that. Um, but he, I, he, did, he, he looked like he was close to teeing off today, but I think was realised what he might, have, he might have got himself in trouble and restrained himself. He's definitely been quite spiky, I think, the last couple in, of days. In, in recent weeks, he has been, yeah. Um, it, more to do, I think it is more to do with the schedule um, than anything else. Look, COVID, it's so, it's so unpredictable. Whatever happens, happens with COVID. And he's had to put players in, he's had to play players that he's... I can't remember what the quote was exactly, but he was saying the medicals. Oh, it was Lukaku at Aston Villa, wasn't it? When he said that the medical staff said he shouldn't play 45 minutes, but Tuka felt like he had to. And admittedly, Lukaku came on and, and scored the winner and, and won that, scored the goal and won the penalty that won the game. But yeah, he's he's having to juggle a lot of plates at the moment. And yeah, as I say, Chelsea have been dealt a really poor hand for these last six weeks. And uh, February's not exactly any quieter either with the club with the, with the club World Cup and the Carabao Cup final coming up as well. So yeah, it's not going to get any easier for him. It's not. Uh, Dane. Yeah, no, I'm just, uh, again, you know, I was that, that, that tweet from Dono. I'm glad you mentioned that uh, because, you know, I replied to him. I was really impressed with that. He had a like, thread of about four tweets. And, uh, you know, when you it's outstanding when you looked at all the, you know, the, the, the rest days, the, the rest travel days. And, yeah, I was trying to think of, I was trying to work a way to bring that into a conversation at some point uh, when you mentioned it. So I'm glad you did. Yeah, it's a, well, Donald's a great mate of ours, and I think he's absolutely spot on there. So there's mitigation there, J.K. But I have to say, you know, the reality. I mean, you you made this point right, right where we started. You know, we were playing an excellent side in Man City on Saturday. We were playing a side that's been put together over six years. I think uh, Pep's now been there. Um, they are. I'm um, still, you know, miles ahead of everybody else in the Premier League. Um, I still think that I mean we I think we've got closer to them and we've got closer to Liverpool. I mean whether Liverpool full strength with somebody as good as Salah in their team, you know I would say that they're probably still better than us. But without Salah and uh, Mane, I think they look pretty average. So you know we've got a lot closer to them. So well, you, as I think last year when he, when Van Dijk couldn't play, it's yeah. Really the defence was no, well, nowhere near but as good. But I, I think we are the third best team in the league and I think that's how it's going to pan out this season. Um, what I hope is that the whole COVID and everything else doesn't derail us anymore. But we're, I think we're certainly the third best team in the league, but we're still a way off City and you know we do need to close that gap. But I don't think there's any, any need to panic. I think Tuchel was right, actually. You know, OK, the, the misgivings about the front three notwithstanding... You know, that game could have gone either way. You know, 70 minutes, that's quite a late goal, you know. So I don't think it's all doom and gloom. Um, I, I think I think the pressure of us having won the Champions League is, is that we we presume that we just come back yeah. and, and, and railroad everybody. And um, uh, there are all these unknowns have, have entered into it. And I still think that if we played City with our best team, that we would beat them. Yeah, I, I think we'd certainly have given them a better go than we managed on Saturday. No, I think we'd beat them. I think if we played, if or yeah, or it might be a draw. But I don't think. I think given the the depletion, that um, uh, I think we 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 made a very good. Well, we didn't make a good fist of it because I keep going. We keep saying that they were much better than us. But um, we have to remember he's only been in it a year. The job is in a year for a year. That's all he's been doing it for. And I reckon. Um, uh, is that optimist, that wonderful optimist thing of saying, oh, well, next season will be better. But, you know, it's half the season to go. We're still in four cups. And, we're, uh, you know, if, if anything happened to City and they fell apart, I think we'd be we'd be chasing them. But um, 
uh, at the moment, perhaps we're set up better to be a cup side. I agree entirely. And I think that's where we're going to hopefully find some joy this season. Right. Uh, we're going to have a quick break now. But when we come back, we've got uh, the odds and sods part of the show. I'm going to I'm apologies to Prashanth and Mr. Stick, but I'm going to I'm going to ditch the discord questions because I think we've kind of answered them in the last two parts and we're running a bit short of time. But we'll have uh, a chat with Dylan Polk from Carefree in Louisiana and uh, we'll have uh, our own version of the fannies. And then JK and I've got our work cut out because we've got loads of emails. So we'll Cheech. JK, in all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Cheech, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Ah, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK, and best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you, thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy, I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. See you in a sec. Quick cuppa. Yeah, yeah. Knee worries. Knee worries. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast and I'm Stamford Chidge when I can get my teeth in. Uh, and uh, we're in part three now. And of course, I've got the wonderful Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Uh, the lovely Dane Whittle. Evening, everyone. And the very erudite Mr. Sam Incasol from London with us. Good evening. Good evening. Now, normally we would go straight into the fannies, and as you already know, I've already screwed up on that front, so we're you know going to have to do it a slightly different way tonight. But uh, uh, this week we've got something very—I don't think this has ever happened before—but we've got somebody who's kind of joined us halfway through, uh, thanks to him messaging us. Well, I say us uh, on, on Instagram. Everybody knows that Dane is the master of the Chelsea Fancast Instagram account, and I happened to hop on and saw it too. But we've got uh, we've got Dylan Polk with us from Carefree, Louisiana. Dylan, a, a massive welcome to the Chelsea Fancast. Well done for breaking new ground, and we're delighted to see you here. 
Thanks so much. I appreciate you guys having me. No, no problem at all, my friend. Now, there's a reason why you're here. Would you like to explain why it is? Absolutely. So with the help of the club and uh, the supporters group here in the States, so I am the founder of Carefree Louisiana. Uh, we're the largest Chelsea supporters group in the state of Louisiana and the fastest growing in the United States. We're hosting an event on February 11th through the 13th called Blues Day. It's an event for the Club World Cup final and also for Mardi Gras. So currently right now we have 14 chapters from people across the entire country, ranging from Los Angeles to New York, bringing down members to New Orleans to help us uh, not only win the Club World Cup final and support the Blues, but also to experience New Orleans and what Mardi Gras is all about. I mean, I wish I'd known about this, you know, like before. I, I, I've been to the States a lot. I've been very privileged to go to the States a lot, but I have never, ever been to New Orleans. And when I when I looked on your website, I mean, you've got a brilliant uh, website, which is what, carefreelouisiana.com? Yes, sir, that's correct. And uh, which, you know, tells us a bit about the event that you're planning. And I was like having a look at that. And, and you know, you're holding this in the French Quarter. I mean, these are places that I have always wanted to go to. It's absolutely legendary. And you're, you're having it in the middle of this amazing city. Yes, sir. That's what we're doing. We're also, since it's in this part of the amazing part of that amazing city, we're uh, we're trying to make it a little bit more of a European feel. And so not only are you going to be in the second oldest town in America, but the same way that uh, when when groups get together over in England and get together at the pub and march to uh, the match, we're going to be doing a similar thing. So all of our chapters are going to be getting together with their chapter flags and flags that have been sent over by the club. Uh, thankfully, we're going to march through the French Quarter, through Jackson Square and to the pub that's going to be hosting us. So uh, we're going to make it a blue day and we're going to turn New Orleans blue. Fantastic. And you're getting quite a lot of help with the club with this event? Yes, sir. So we actually, the, the idea for the event started a little bit late because uh, we've been more focused on building our group. But finally, we got together and said, we're going to make this happen. So when we did, um, we started about uh, two months ago, if you will. And the amount of participation and excitement that has been drawn in the two months has been kind of unreal. And the club basically told us, get it right the first time. Um, execute, make sure everybody has a good time, give us tons of pictures, give us tons of video. And if everything goes well, we'll back you for a whole year in front of it. So can you only imagine what we've done with two months? Give me a year in full backing in the club and people like, you know, this podcast proclaiming the event and getting it going and maybe getting people like you over to us. Can you imagine? Yes, the please. Of, can you imagine the amount of people that we could actually have? I want to, I want it to be a situation where I have to go to the pub that we have. That's given us a 175 seat um, area with tons of TVs and a balcony in the French quarter. I want to be able in a situation where I've got to go to my guys next year and be like, it's not big enough. We don't have enough room. I need I need space for more people. So with with the help of guys like you spreading the word, with backing from the club, um, there, there's no telling what we can do. Yeah. And to answer your question fully upon what else the club is doing for us, so they're sending over flags. They're, they made it help us make connections like this. They're also bringing myself and my other founder on the Match Day Live uh, once before the event and once after to talk about it. So just to keep the kind of momentum going so people know what we're doing, how we're doing it, and to let people know that Chelsea is just not for you guys over across the pond. We're big fans of it over here in the States. Well, I, I mean, you know, you and I obviously have never really met Dylan. That I, that I do know. But, I mean, you know, my association with, you know, Chelsea supporters in America goes back a long, long time now and, a, you know, a long way. And, 
you know, particularly with Chelsea in America, who I've been involved with in, you know, some way, shape or form for like, 10, 15 years now. So, and I, I mean, we have, I mean, I, you know, we're very lucky on this show. We've got a huge amount of listeners from the States, many of whom have become great friends, many of whom we've actually met for a pint or three when they've popped over for a game at Stamford Bridge. So, you know, our, our, our links with the States are pretty solid. I mean, Dane has also got massive connections in the States, haven't you, mate? Yeah, yeah, part American. Yeah, very proud of those roots as well. So uh, I, yeah, I've always, I've always had one foot in either, either, either side of the pond. But yeah, yeah, it's, it looks, sounds really exciting. You know, I share the same enthusiasm <laughs> as Chid. You know, I'd, I'd love to spend the weekend in New Orleans, and uh, yes, it sounds amazing. So maybe one day, maybe one day, Chid will uh, jump on that plane. Why do we, us, yeah, I us. think yeah, Chelsea fancast field trip to New Orleans. What do you think? Oh, that'd be that'd well, be amazing. I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you right now, the uh, first three pints are on me. Oh, definitely. There we go. <laughs> well, that, that's all you had to say, Dylan. We'll be, we'll all be. We'll, we'll, we'll see you next week. All right. Uh, is that, but is uh, that each or only three? Points? Oh, oh, very good point, J.K. <laughs> Get the negotiation in now, son. Yeah. Yes, indeed. So, so Dylan, how many, how many, uh, how many people have you got in in Carefree, Louisiana, and how long has it been going for? So we unofficially started about four or five years ago, just a group of guys coming to the pub. Sadly, the pub where we were at in New Orleans is predominantly dominated by Arsenal fans. Yeah, sadly, those guys, Liverpool fans and those and those bandwagon fans from United because they're all glory chasers. So long story short, we started developing a little bit of following and a buddy of mine who's actually met you, uh, David, uh, Ben Landry. He and I got yeah, together and we decided that we wanted to, uh, to make this official. So we started in January of last year, um, building momentum. And next thing you know, we have 65 dues paying members um, all here in the area. We also have grown our Instagram followers to where if you combine all of the Chelsea chapters in America, we still have more followers than them combined. So we're, we're building momentum as we're going. And like I said, with, with groups like you guys helping us, the sky's kind of the limit. Yeah. Um, Honestly, if you would have asked me six months ago, where do you see your where do you see Carefree Louisiana? This definitely wouldn't have been it. I never would have imagined that I'd be talking to guys like you who are in the game, in the moment, at all times. And uh, yeah, I'm just I'm excited to see where it goes next. So, how, how long have you been supporting Chelsea for? Uh, since 1997, I, uh, I like a to good say year. Pre- that's a good year to pick. Good year to have chosen. I say uh, pre Abramovich. I was there when we were shit. Well, we weren't shit that year. Well, not that year. The FA Cup was a good year, but those games, you know, losing to Huddersfield in the middle, of that, you know, it, it was uh, it was tough to watch. But also, what y'all probably don't realize is for for fans in the states, um, it was a lot harder to watch yeah, football back then. Yeah. So you you turn on the television on Saturday or Sunday, and there'd be two matches each day, and you just hope that your team is one of the teams that are being played. And now, since NBC has come on and and bought the rights. Uh, fanship in America is growing leaps and bounds for just the ability to turn on the game and watch it. Sadly, the part that we're missing is the commentary. Uh, networks like ESPN don't actually break down the game beforehand. It's just, okay, and we're going to take it over to the game, and then boom, it's kickoff. We don't get to see the the real match day analysis. And it's it's still the stuff that, that uh, fans in America need, and you know that's why we, we want to promote podcasts like you guys that yeah. give the real breakdown. Yeah, well, we, you know, you, you at least you got Jim Beglin calling uh, the Etihad Stadium the empty had on commentary. Oh man, that was priceless. <laughs> priceless. <laughs> it was, wasn't it? Now I, I did know I was aware of that because I got a, a very good mate of ours uh, from LA. I mean, he he was over here in about eighty four, eighty five, and he went to see Chelsea play West Ham kind of by accident, and then got the bug. 
and then went back to the States and just couldn't get any coverage on Chelsea at all. You know, it was non-existent. So fair play to you, Dylan, for finding us before all, you know, the whole revolution happened and it's become, you know, wall to wall like it is here. Um, Listen, mate, uh, if if people who are listening to this show who are local to you guys in, in New Orleans want to go to your event and want to join up, what do they have to do? Simply, all you, the easiest situation is just go to carefreelouisiana.com. From the site, you can not only register for the event, so that way we can tell the bartenders how many people are coming so we don't run out of booze, <laughs> but at the same time, but at the same time, you can see hotel accommodations. You can see the group who is leading the event, myself, Ben, and my uh, top boy, Roy. And also, we've, uh, we've got a full page on there for traveling support. So if your chapter is coming, if you're coming from anywhere, we can highlight your chapter on the website so let people know that you're coming. Because it's not just about Carefree Louisiana. It's about Chelsea supporters as a whole. And we want anybody to know whether you're with a chapter, where you're from in the country, come down to New Orleans, grab a pint with us, Let's, let's represent represent Chelsea for the Club World Cup. Let's experience Mardi Gras and like what real Chelsea fandom can be in the States. Because right now, there's nothing like this event in the entire United States. Nothing like it. Well done, you. Um, I kind of wish I was going to be there, actually. But there you go. Uh, Dylan, I, I, I was going to say, right, that, that's brilliant. Thank you very much. Off you go. But I thought, wouldn't it be fun? I mean, we're about to do the fannies. I don't know if you know about the fannies. No? Have you heard of the fannies? Just a little bit. Yes, sir. Okay, right. We've been doing them for over 10 years and there are people who've been listening to this show every week for 10 years who still don't understand how to do it properly. Am I right? (laughs) Yes, I am. Uh, Anyway, I screwed up this week because normally what I do is we get our Discord group to nominate all sorts of things and we pick three for each category and then I put it on Twitter and people vote for them. I comprehensively failed to do that. So we're going to do it a bit ad hoc this week. Would you like to stay for the fannies? Absolutely. Love to be a part of it, guys. There we go. So without further ado, minus a sting, but I know it's been promised to us. I've done them. I've done them. JK. I, forgot, I forgot to give, send them yeah, to you. There you go. Uh, but, J, but JK has done, he's done a sting for these. So we'll, I'll have to. I'll, each, each one has got a sting. Yeah, I better not screw up next week then. So anyway, yeah. first of all, the easy one, really, man of the match. Uh, the uh, Discord people, combination of them and me, but they said uh, Kepper, uh, Saar or Rudiger. JK, what would you have gone for? Uh, Saar, personally. I thought Kepper had a fine game with some excellent saves. But uh, Saar is becoming somewhat of a revelation. Mm. And uh, I think he should be encouraged. And so I'd like to give him man of the match. Um, Rudy is particularly consistent. And I think he did wonderfully considering he was uh, insanely booked as usual by the uh, the wooden-headed Paulson. So, Paulson. so um, uh, yes, for me, it was Saar. I agree with that one. OK. Uh, Dylan, guest first. Uh, Saar, Rudiger or Kepper for you? Uh, honestly, I'm going to have to go with Kepa, guys. Kepa doesn't get enough credit. Um, he kept us in that game. That game, realistically, if it wasn't for Kepa, I could see it have been 2-0, 3-0. We didn't, we didn't put it together. He had one moment where he was caught off guard by that shot. And sadly, I mean, a worldie by Kevin De Bruyne, not too many people are going to stop it. Uh, I've got to give Kepa his credit. It was Kepa for me. Lovely. Uh, uh, Dane? a special mention to uh dave because you know again playing against one of the best teams probably in the world the best team in the world if we're going to be kind and defensively he was he was outstanding and i'm the first one to keep saying that we we need cover for east james but he defensively he he's been amazing again but i'm going to go with Saar like jk i'm so impressed with him like i said earlier raw but if you polish those corners i think we, we, we could have a little gem on our hands 
Yeah, okay, fair enough. And last but by no means least, Sam, what was the view of football.london? Um, Rudiger, I think, for me. Um, I know he, he, he's been, as you say, he's been incredibly consistent over the last 12 months. And in the in, in the face of what could have been a real barrage from City, I know they dominated the board, dominated possession, but he stood up really well, and made some very key interceptions and key tackles. Um, still went on his rampage and runs forward a couple of times, but he did rein it in a little bit. I think at the Etihad, he probably got um, he, rather than getting too ahead of himself. But yeah, really good for me. Uh, Saar pushes him very close. Though, I thought Saar, considering he was only a second Premier League start, had an excellent game. Yeah, I'm I'm going to go for Saar myself. I think he was, and in a way, because it was least expected actually. But I think he's he's really beginning to do very very well. All power to his elbow. So we've gone for Saar on the majority decision. Now, next is a salary moment uh, for those, uh, uh, you know, for for the heart of thinking. A salary moment is a moment of comedy on or off the pitch uh, or a moment of proper Chelsea's on or off the pitch. Uh, and there weren't many. There were none at all, really. I mean, the only one I could find was Tommy Tuchel going absolutely apeshit at Ziyech. Because I, I I did exactly the same as Tuchel did. I mean, in fact, actually, Tuchel was worse than me, and that says something. But before I just, you know, blithely give it away to that, have any of you lot uh, got got yet? Yeah, I knew you would, J.K. J.K. Well, obviously, the um, the foisting of the the plastic uh, Champions League trophies was a great moment for me, which happened uh, um, uh, on several occasions at the game, um, uh, particularly the one when everybody went. Hey! Yay! And these little plastic cups all appeared. I thought that was completely wonderful. And uh, and I have to say, I would like to be uh, in for the celery moment because um, uh, as me and Simon of Windsor went completely apoplectic, similarly to TT going mad at Zayek, at um, Lukaku passing to Zayek, who was offside when he should have scored. <laughs> and I have to say, not even just me, the whole of the away end, I think, would be fair enough to say the fact that when he passed, we all went absolutely fucking apeshit with that. And, and all of America. And I'm sure absolutely everywhere. So, in fact, rather than being specific, I like to award it to every fan for a celery moment who was watching the game, who was a Chelsea supporter, who saw Lukaku not shoot and pass to an offside Zayek. Yes, indeed. Ah! Uh, Dane? Yeah, again, it's it, it's bully boy Rudiger. Although I do I do like angry, angry TT. He's making me laugh on the sidelines. I, bully boy Rudiger, I said earlier in the show when Grealish didn't want to know, didn't go anywhere near him, looked like he shat himself every time he looked at him. But late in the second half, uh, De Bruyne tried to get all brave and went in with a 50-50 with Rudiger, then jumped up and he, he remembered how it turned out last time, the Champions League final, so he thought better to like maybe try and shake his hand and Rudiger didn't even look at him, which I thought was quite funny. Yeah, was good. I enjoyed that. Sam, any any offerings from you? Um... I, th- I was I was going to go with what Dane was going to say. Malang Sar, um, I think when he, I, I, it was Grealish, I think Grealish went over and didn't get a foul, and then uh, carried on another run, and then Sar fouled him a second time. Um, although that second one was given, and uh, Sar just basically just stood in there and just like kind of looked over him like as a. Yeah. What are you doing? Kind oh, of thing. Um, he took he took he took no shit from him, and uh, yeah, uh, that, that that was a moment I enjoyed, and uh, yeah, just Tommy Tommy Tuchel going absolutely bonkers on the sidelines. Uh, Ziyech and Saar as well, and Kovacic at one point as well. He was jumping up and down in that technical area yeah. like a mad times in that first half. I have to say, I'm still tempted tempted to go with that unless Dylan can uh, persuade me otherwise. Well, I mean, honestly, so we're catching a little bit different perspective. So we're listening to it and watching it on the television in the pub here. But our moment 
was, you know, feeling slightly defeated because they were, you know, doing everything they could to get a goal past us. And then hearing our fans sing champions of Europe, mm-hmm. like there was nothing better. So the fact that we could hear that through the TV, just mm-hmm. us, you know, giving the big into them and just saying like, <laughs> we're the champions of Europe. You'll never sing that. That was, that was our moment for, mm-hmm. for across the pond. I like Got that. a fantastic reaction that as well. Cause obviously that it was done in the kind of irony because the chances are they'll win it this year, you know, <laughs> Well, yeah, but they haven't yet. Um, I no, like indeed. we might win it again, Chid. Yes. Yeah, I, I like all of those. But I, I'm going to stay. I think generally, I think if if we if we went with Tony to Tommy Tuchel going ape shit at uh, ZH, I think nobody would up, be upset, would they? No, no, good. Uh, right. Finally, the Guinness moment, which of course, again, for those who are hard of thinking, um, is a moment of absolute brilliance, flair, skill, beauty that makes me and quite possibly JK feel rather sexual. So there you go. There weren't, <laughs> there weren't many moments, I have to say. Uh, I didn't feel too sexual at all, actually, during the entire game. But I got close to it, actually. The first thing that caught my eye was really Sars' last-ditch tackle, which I thought was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Um, and I did, wasn't as aware of this at the time. Uh, you know, I was watching it on TV, sadly, so I had no chance, really. But Kepa's save from Grealish was uh, much better than I had realised at the time. I mean, personally, I'm going to go for Sars' last-ditch tackle because I actually did feel, you know, a bit moist when I saw that. But uh, as for the others, I'll leave it to you. Sam? Uh, Kovacic's pass to Lukaku uh, early in the second half, um, which, which he obviously spurned. One touch hit straight into his path and, and Lukaku obviously didn't did, didn't finish it off but that was one of the best passes of the game um from yeah. from either from from me from either side and yes yeah, so if I was going to pick out one big moment which could have really changed the game on his head as well if he'd have scored that one nil up early in the second half but yeah that would have been mine yeah story of my life not being finished off but there you go uh <sighs> Dane uh yeah uh, <laughs> I think it's the kipper <laughs> save <laughs> I, I did him like a kipper brilliant <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to go with Kepa's save, also. Like, just like you said, I got a little excited. Might have had to change my shorts when he finally actually was able to. Was able to, you know. No, it's not that kind of game. moment. No, it's not a it's not <laughs> moment. No. no, he was changing it for another reason, J.K. Oh, for another. Oh, yeah, 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 I know that. He, one. He's too oh, young yeah. to be incontinent, mate. Yeah, sorry, I know that one. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> so there you go. So Kepa, Kepa for Dylan, uh, Dane. What did I, I'm sorry, I was too busy laughing at my own joke to hear what you said. So I'm sorry for that. Yeah. Well, I, I like what uh, Sam said about Kovacic because I think that pass, he was brilliant, very brilliant up until that pass. He gave the ball away and I was like, oh, fuck. And as soon as uh, Kepa, oh, I had that moment, obviously, oh, oh, thank God for that. You know, when Kepa saved it, uh, unfortunately, yeah, Kovacic's levels dropped after that. But yeah, it was the Kepa for me. Mm, good on you. Uh, JK? I didn't really have a Guinness moment. I didn't. <laughs> no. No. I didn't. I didn't. It's a bit hard to, to feel sexual in the away end at the yeah, empty head, isn't it? I, yeah, with Simon of Windsor next to you, who's giving. You, you didn't want to get aroused with Simon. Times, next to you. Okay. Not with him next to me. I mean, no, you'd, you'd only met him, mate. I can understand that. It was the it was the constant <laughs> wanker gestures to the Man City fans that I found difficult. <laughs> that was your Guinness moment, J.K. Was, yeah, yeah. It practically was my Guinness moment. Yeah, it would have. Yeah, but um, you yeah, know, I must admit, I I did go oh <laughs> when Kepper saved from Grealish. I did go oh. That was pretty good, but I didn't go, oh, you know, 
I, I didn't manage that. So for any of them, so I, I'd just like to pass if that's okay. No, I, I think I think you know I think Kepper Kepper's seems to be getting all the love here. So I think we're going to give it to Kepper. So there you go. Uh, brilliant. That's the end of the fannies this week. Uh, now, Dylan, uh, thank you so much for staying along for that. I hope you enjoyed that. But it's been brilliant talking to you tonight. Uh, massive, massive luck uh, with the event in February, and obviously you'll be watching the club uh, World Cup as well at the same time. So let's hope we bring that home too. Absolutely. Thank you so much, guys, for y'all's uh, help. Thank you for allowing me to join in, give a little hey, commentary, and talk a little brilliant, bit. Brilliant, Dylan. Sounds brilliant. And, uh, yeah. Thank, thank y'all so much. And uh, all I can say is up the chels. Yeah, up the chels, mate. Good to see you. And good luck with it all. Maybe one day we will come and see you in New Orleans. But if you come over yeah, here, come and find us for a pint at Stanford Bridge. Absolutely. And when y'all come over next year for the event for the second annual Blues Day, yeah, make make sure you give us a shout. Like I said, first pints on me. Lovely. Maybe the Hang second on, you or said third. said three before. You sorry. Did, you did, three. I did. I remembered that. Sorry, I remembered that. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Three. Hopefully I get a promotion at work where I can pay for it by then. Yeah. <laughs> Great stuff, Dylan. You take care. There'll be 15 of us. There'll be 15 of us. <laughs> That's true. There are 15 of us. Dylan. I'll, I'll, put you up, I'll put you up in my mom's house. <laughs> in a well, cupboard. Well done, mate. Good luck with it, as I said. And uh, hopefully we'll get to speak to you again. Certainly, I'd love to go over to New Orleans, that's for sure. There we go. Dylan Polk from Carefree in Louisiana. There, um, brilliant, brilliant stuff. Right, we've got loads and loads of emails to do now, JK. Now, what I'm going to do, JK, is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a cutoff here because I do want to talk about the Brighton uh, game tomorrow. And I, and I want to wrap this up by no later than half nine. So I reckon we need 15 minutes, 20 minutes to do the Brighton preview, you reckon? 15 minutes enough? 15, 20 minutes? 15, 10, do it in five, Ginch. Well, well, that's probably maybe. Well, well, let's say let's give this half an hour, right? We'll give we'll give the emails half an hour. We'll just get as far as we can, right? Uh, I think we could do them in less than half an hour. We'll just read quickly. I know you can do your reduced schedule. No, no, I don't. No, I don't mean that. I just meant in terms of. Because we normally dissect them, and that's why we've got the, the chaps here as well. So I know. Well, we'll see. Let's um, go. go. Let's go, see go, what go. happens. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Andrew Davis, email number one. Uh, following fancast number 867, I just wanted to offer some thoughts on the repeated profligacy in front of goal. <laughs> like JK, I was annoyed by the second half performance against Chesterfield. Said to my dad and brother that City or Liverpool would have put eight or more on them on the weekend. Listening to the podcast whilst out on my run, as I often do, I wonder whether his inability to stick the ball in the net, constant dithering might have anything to do with XG. Alex touched upon it very briefly during the discussion. Let me start by saying I know fuck all about XG. Me too, that's why I'm calling it XG. Is it called anything else that I should know about? No. So I may be showing my ignorance. I know it's a big part of the game these days, even if I don't understand it. But I gather it's all about the probability of shots, how likely they are to go in, etc. That's the case. I wonder whether consciously or not nowadays, players have this in their head. This is the reason they're increasingly less likely just to have a pop, like our wonderful Luca Viali. He's hoping a speedy recovery for the great man and Sparky Hughes. Exactly the players who I always quote. The ball was at their feet. They saw the goal. They had a dip. Players just don't do that. That's me saying that, not to Andrew, by the way. Players just don't do that in today's game. The exception possibly being Harry Kane. If it's not down to XG, I wonder if another possible reason could be patterns of play that seem to be drummed into the players now. That's what we were talking about earlier. Cesc Fabregas recently said Conte's methods were so suffocating, he'd literally tell Cesc where to stand on the pitch. 
micromanaging player movements to such an extent, it almost removes any free thought from these creative players, something we all derided Sarri for. Maybe that's just the way football's going now. It's more like NFL with very specific plays that the players have to execute rather than looking up, seeing a gap and thinking, I'm going to have a pop here. If that's the case, it's, if that's the case, it's just another case of the game we love dying a little more. Another point I wanted to raise was about the games postponed due to COVID. We had a recent request to postpone a game denied. Whilst it seems again like with a club being singled out, with Liverpool somehow allowed to postpone a game with a load of false positives, I do wonder if this will actually help us further down the line. The football calendar at the moment is so congested. I think it may actually help us in the longer run if we're able to fulfil our fixtures on schedule. Trouble is we need to win them, don't we? Teams are going to have to shoehorn fixtures into a compacted schedule as the season draws to a close. I just wonder if we'll look back at it being a blessing that we've not had to shove rearranged games in at the business end. What do you think? All the best and up the Chelsea. That was Andrew Davies. Very good mail, indeed. Very good. Dane, Sam, what do you think about that? Oh, well, I, I expected goals. Uh, what's the official line on it? So it measures. It's a banned word. Of... It's a banned word on the fan cast. According to Brian Justman, he, he might well mm, be right. It might as well be if you can ban the paragraph. So it measures the quality of a chance by calculating the likelihood that it will be scored from a particular position on the pitch during a particular phase of play. That is XG for you. So I, 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 I can't think that they've, they're thinking, you know, they're thinking that <laughs> we could, it could actually answer why we, you know, why we're not getting in certain positions or shooting or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. It's, uh, yeah. it's ridiculous. It's mentioned so much nowadays and it just makes, you know, stats do not win football games. No, they do not. Uh, Sam, on, on, on Andrew's other point about, you know, we're the only ones that really haven't had games postponed. So hopefully, I mean, I know we've we've got two postponed, which is Arsenal and Leicester, of course, because of the Football Club World Cup or the FIFA Club World Cup, should I say. Um, but does he have a point there that, you know, if there are other teams who've got a whole fixture pile up, we, it might be to our advantage come the end of the season when we won't be getting knackered too much? Yes. Um, but then again, if Chelsea keep going deep in these cup competitions and they'll still have a very congested fixture schedule towards the end of the season anyway. Um, and if, as I think JK alluded to earlier on, Chelsea could go well in the cups again this year. He's not necessarily a cup team, but um, they're still in all these competitions. So, I mean, I don't, I don't particularly think it will be an advantage of sorts because the, the schedule is still pretty brutal between, it always is over the nine months of the season. So, I mean, the only, I mean, look, Burnley have had four, games I think it is already postponed they put they put in a thing for a fifth yeah. so I know they're obviously down the, the other end of the table and I think towards the towards the upper end um games are not necessarily being called off with as much regularity so um I'm not I'm not sure if it will be a massive advantage come the end of the season I think it's just it, it's going to be what what Tuchel expected when um, when the season started really in terms of the schedule yeah we'll see won't we that's the reality uh okay good good email andrew and i owe you a banner still i am aware of that i just haven't found a way to the post office yet but i'll get it all sorted soon actually while i'm on that subject we've got a whole load whole new load of patreon members and i'm sorry i haven't even emailed you to acknowledge that fact yet i've just been so busy but i will get round to acknowledging it and then i'll be asking you for your address so i can send you a kerry dixon mini banner and of course uh hopefully we'll, i'll also give you the link to discord so just bear with me and i'll try and get on it this week right this is from neil spencer who says first and foremost your podcast is unrivaled and continues to be outstanding enjoyed the world over by all lovers of the mighty cfc 
Also, your guests are quite excellent. Whilst I have a particular fondness for any episode that includes the Smut Buddies, I find that your historians, authors and long-term SW6 attendees are all fantastic and I love the personality diversity. What an opening opening paragraph, Neil. Thank you. Is there a however there, Chidge? But... That Jonathan Kit No, no, it doesn't say that. All I want... Oh, actually, no, 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 it does say Jonathan. He says, all I want to say is yes, Jonathan. Yes. No, there's absolutely nothing sexual in that. Though, who could blame me? Rather, it's these recent dithering performances that drive me up the bloody wall. I first saw Chelsea at the Charlton Riot in 1977. Is that when we were having bonfires in their terraces? JK, you remember that? Yes. It was, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. God bloody hell. So, I'm a long-term fan that was a bridge regular right through the shitty days and just started to see the flicker of new hope as I moved to the US in 1994. Watching these days with my Chelsea brainwashed sons in Connecticut, I also left the Chesterfield game relatively unsatisfied. I'm indifferent to the fact that they scored, but like Lord Kidd, I thought that we should have scored 10. I watched my sons uh, grow up playing soccer in the school system and used to despise the six-goal lead mercy rule. My thought was, put them to the sword, never back off, not so popular among the nannying parents. But it annoys me that when there's more in the tank, we don't simply push the pedal all the way down and go friggin' bananas. Uh, The dithering kills me also when Barkley attempts to wow National League defenders with his world-class talents and gets perpetually (laughs) mugged. You'd think think that he'd learn, but one needs a little intelligence to play fast, quick decision, quick passing, no-ego football. And for me, players like him have no business pretending to have a place in an elite-level team like ours. I couldn't do it, neither can people like him. Anyway, you guys are simply marvellous. Bringing people like me back down the Fulham Road with you or off uh, off up to some questionable away day really gives me so much more than just watching on the TV, which I do, of course, religiously. Talking of which, and thinking about your Plymouth comments, you're right, they are a little feisty. I'm a Devonian. Uh, though uh, with heavy London roots, and have seen Chelsea play at Plymouth. In fact, I was there for the 1-0 in 1989. I got out of the car with some of my mates and in the middle, sorry, in the multi-storey car box started wailing carefree at the top of my lungs. Thankfully, my friends reminded me of where we were, and after a spiky trip to and from the ground, it was probably a solid move. Yes. Uh, So keep the blue flag flying high and up the juice! Cheers, boys, and Alex Neil. Great email, Neil. Love that. Love reading that. JK. Lord Kid, it's catching on, you see. Yeah. If you keep calling me that at the beginning you, of the, the podcast. Yeah, you've been ennobled by me. I love it. But if you've been it. ennobled by me, what does that make me? A uh, bit of a bit of a dick. Makes me the queen, mate. Makes me the queen. Oh, oh sorry. Don't you forget it. <laughs> or the or the Prime Minister. Well yeah. <laughs> Custard tits. No, I'm not custard tits. I'd rather big be dog. I'd rather be the queen than big dog. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Anyway, um, moving swiftly on. Um, by the way, can I just empathise with the the brilliant paragraph about Barkley? Yes. Ye gods, let's please hope that we don't see him play again. Please, please, please. I can't bear it. We actually prophesied uh, after the the game at the beginning of the season where he came on in the. Uh, um, the, the game at the bridge against um, Tottenham, where we were two 0 up, I think it was, and then, in fact, Saar came on and gave the ball away immediately, and we thought, oh well, that'll be Saar on his bike, not knowing that he had great potential, whereas Barkley just played as predictably, predictably ineptly uh, then as he then did against Chesterfield. That was such a low seeing him 
stand at the edge of the penalty area with four people around him thinking, what can I do to impress? And then losing the ball. Um, right. Uh, email number three. Kyle Weaving. Hi, Chidge and friends of the pod. My name is Kyle Weaving and I'm a long time listener of the pod over five years. Every episode, way, hailing from Long Island, New York. I'm a huge fan. I've been to the bridge twice for a Fulham draw in 2015 and the Matic red card game. That was at Burnley, wasn't it? Oh, against Burnley. When he pushed an opposing player in the back, back when I spat it. No, didn't he hit, wasn't it, um, Barnes, who practically broke his leg? Wasn't that the game he's thinking about? The Matic red card game? That must be yes, that one. Yes, absolutely that one. Yeah. yeah. And it, Barnes should have been sent off. And it was, I can't remember the name of the ref, whoever it was, you know, what are we, seven years on, and that ref is still refing? You know, it's just becoming atrocious. The Probably Mike anti- Dean. <laughs> it was the antediluvian idiocy, the fact that they're still there making the same... Or Kevin Friend. ...stupid decisions. I think it was, yeah. I'd like to find anybody on uh, on Mixler. No, I'll find it in a minute. I'll find it in a minute. What year was it? I need a reminder of the year. 2015 against Burnley. When, okay, I'm on it. And Barnes almost broke, snapped his leg. And he retaliated just by pushing Barnes backwards, didn't even hit him. And the referee could not wait to get his red card out for Matic. Nothing Martin, happened to Martin, Barnes. Martin, Martin Atkinson. Yeah, well, hey, <laughs> guess guess who is still stumbling about the bloody sward, looking completely bewildered by decisions most of the time and having VAR question everything. And it's got to the stage now where they don't bother because it's so embarrassing. He is such an old git. Jesus. <laughs> Anyway, um, um, I've been to the bridge twice for a Fulham draw in 2015 and the Matic red card game when he pushed an opposing player in the back. Now, I don't think he pushed him in the front, mate. Back when I studied abroad in London in my junior year of college. I'm hoping to be back for a game sometime this year. When I do go back, I won't make the same mistake as last time when I didn't meet all of you in the pubs by Stamford Bridge, which is particularly the cock I think you should have come to. I'll make sure we get a chance to properly meet. Drinks will be on me for sure. Now, are you absolutely sure about this, Carl? Because I think there'll be about 20 people there. Are you sure? Anyway, uh, I would love the chance when I come over to get to an away game, as I hear it's a different atmosphere than at home. Yeah, just a bit. Or intend an important or big match for an enhanced and louder atmosphere. Yeah, that's true. By the way, when listening to the most recent podcast, I heard you said my name, Carl Weaving, which remind me that I stopped playing in Prem Predictions and have ended up bottom of the table currently as a result. Now, I may say thanks very much indeed, Carl. Now, I'm aware that I'm in last place. I'm going to have to participate again so JK can be last. So no hard feelings, JK. Well, that's (laughs) a real shame because I was hoping you wouldn't play anymore. Then I could not be last. Yeah, I just wanted to finally email in, state my love for the pod, tell you to keep up the good works and keep the blue flag flying high. By the way, you can choose to read this stuff out on the pod if you like it or not. It's up to you all. I don't think we'll bother. Do you think? No, I, mean, I think we better not, actually. No, we no. better not. Okay. No, We've changed our mind. Yeah, We've changed our minds, okay. Carl. Thanks again. I hope you keep the pod going for years to come. Well, well, we're, we're, we are contemplating that, but Dane and um, yeah. Dean have other ideas, yeah, so yeah. it will be the Dane and Dean show coming yeah. up. Yeah. Dane yeah. and Dean go surfing. It's the the Double D fan cast, they're going to yeah. call it. They're going to change the name as it's well. Gonna, it, yeah, it's going to be... Uh, uh, let's go. Dub- it's going to now. Everybody's learning now. Come along with Dane and D now. It'll be one of those. Yeah. It's either double diamond or, or or it'll be it'll be the peanut ad, won't it? Yeah, they, they, double D because they're nuts. Yeah, or, or double D double D thirty eight. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, 
Kyle, it's just lovely that you wrote in, mate. And I did mention your name the other week. You're right, because I did notice that you were languishing at the bottom. And I realise it's because you hadn't played for a while. So I'm really glad that my email has prompted you to uh, start playing. And I'm very sorry for JK. about. And I'm disappointed. Yes, indeed. (laughs) Right, we've got another one from Ian Wood, who uh, his poem last week, uh, um, you know, inflicted the C word on us, courtesy of JK, also known as Ron Burgundy. who will he will he will read honestly if i put it in front of him he will read it out and that is not an encouragement by the way but there you go so ian's followed this last last week's poem up with this one which is equally funny so well done ian i love i'm loving your emails and he says evening so a thought about statues at the home of european football seems odd now to just have the one of peter osgood as we've clearly had a few deserving of this accolade over the last couple of decades I propose a bronze one outside the shed away entrance of Stephen Gerrard slipping over. Should there not be an enormous Denver Bar telescopic leg yeah. in the in the sculpture yeah. as well? Yeah, maybe. I think that's a very good idea, Ian. I like that. Uh, right, next one, Michael. Well, it's Michael Richard, I think, but it could also be Michael Gibbon. I'm not entirely sure. It's a long Michael, one. So this... Michael Richard, um, Richard JK, and the no doubt lovely guest. For this episode, they're both lovely. Is Dan and Sam? No, that's not fair. I half expected an. Uh, um, I'm no sorry. I'm. Uh, oh, hang on. Yeah, I'm writing to you on Saturday evening on the day we've lost to Man City. I've calmed down from the rage I felt earlier. Did some reading and laughed at Newcastle for about half an hour. Something about misery and company. No, that's not fair. I half expected an outcome like this. Yes, I did too. City are just better than we are most of the time. This is especially the case when we have a cropped squad. I thought the selection was questionable. I'll get to that in a moment, but good enough. We actually played well enough on the whole. City were just too much for us. But some things have really started to irk me. Good word, irk. I love that. Let's begin with the selection. Zayek is a sort of, sort of fine some of the time. He's just not good enough at the highest level, which is where we aspire to be. Pulisic isn't where he was two years ago. I really don't know what to do with him. I wouldn't sell him. I like the guy. We've seen how good he can be. And to discard that much potential seems foolhardy. But we can't and should should not rely on him in games like this. I was concerned almost to the point of despair when I saw that neither Mount nor Havertz were starting. A decision which seems in hindsight to have been incredibly daft, considering how piss poor we were at link play. When I heard Christensen was out, I thought we'd go to a creative 4-2-2-2 stroke 3-5-2 hybrid like we've been doing a lot recently but we started Saar who in fairness to him actually had a decent game and shifted Rudy out to the right where by his standards I thought he was pretty poor I'm not so sure we agree with that anyway so a weirdly conservative choice there now on to Lukaku I was more disappointed than enraged or upset with the whole interview situation disappointed but not surprised he's a mercenary we attract mercenaries He's in it for success and prestige, and that's fine. Some weeks ago, JK said he felt Lukaku had stalled his own momentum with the interview. That's what it looks like to me. I know Drogba often did things like that, often spoke when maybe he shouldn't have, but he was there when we needed him. He stood up and was counted. Lukaku needs to do the same thing if he wants that prestige and success. In terms of how we're using him, it actually baffles me. We're using him how we are. For years, it's been obvious to anyone who bothered to look past his tremendous bulk but he's not, in fact, a target man. He may look a bit like Drogba, but he plays nothing like him. He likes to roam. He likes balls into feet. He likes to be able to use his pace and size, not to hold up play, but to bully his way into a chance. And yet we insist on playing him as a target man. That's weird enough in itself. 
that a clever man like Mr. Tuchel, that Tuchel seems to be persisting with what is obviously not a good idea. But more than that, he's changing the system from Havertz as a roaming forward, a system which would suit Lukaku so much more, to a target man system. We changed the system to something else to suit him, but that change suits him less than the default system. And yet we persist with the change. I genuinely don't understand it. Even that sentence was confusing. Yes, I, I'm tied up in knots, actually. Yes, anyway, um, which brings me to our coach. He's fantastic. Although I've successfully managed not to get attached to another coach after the trauma of Frank getting the sack, I do really like him. There are some things that worry me, though. Tuchel's starting to do the Guardiola thing of doing the unnecessary just for the sake of it. I've described Guardiola as being unsatisfied by just winning. He also needs to show how clever he is when he does so. It seems like Tuchel's maybe got a bit of that about him as well. Hopefully I'm wrong, but I don't think so. He's not really a pragmatist, refusing to bring on a World Cup winning striker in a cup final we'd been losing for 20 minutes and only giving said striker eight to make a meaningful impact doesn't scream pragmatist to me. Refusing to play Tammy Abraham, who the previous season was our top scorer and was in fact our top scorer in the league until May of the 2021 season, a season during which even a man with a Labrador could see that we needed goals, doesn't scream pragmatist to me. He obviously wants to win, which is great. He's very good at it. So really, we should just let him get on with it. But he's not a pragmatist. Anyway, hopefully we don't lose a domestic cup final for the fourth year running. I also hope Liverpool beat Arsenal so we can have the pleasure of hearing their collective fan base deflate when we ruin their day out. The season's not done yet, but I think the league is. As long as we keep swinging and win a cup along the way, I'll be happy. As always, up the Chelsea, keep the blue flag flying high. Kind regards, Michael Gibbon or possibly Michael Richard. Hmm. Depending on depending on the level of my typo this week because yes. I have been known to make uh, errors before. I thought that was a really interesting email, actually, I have to say. Um, I'm going to ask Sam this because, as you know, not for the first time this evening, I know Sam's kind of got a little bit closer to Tuchel than any of us mere mortals have. I, I kind of made the case last week, and I think really when I was talking about what, what he did with Lukaku, uh, Sam, that it kind of occurred to me, I think he, I think he is a pragmatist. But I think Michael makes a good point there. He's also got a very stubborn streak. And, you know, I used to, I used to rage against Sarri for being stubborn and willful, not willing to change and basically not being a pragmatist. So, you know, which is correct here? I think he's becoming more of a pragmatist at the, uh, right now, as we've seen with him maybe switching things up a little bit formationally and, uh, and tactically. Um, and with the way that he doesn't really on the sorry on the opposite side and he can't seem to find his best front three his best attackers and uh, it's an interesting balance that he's got there he's kind of a pragmatist on one hand and then not on the other um yeah he's he's quite he's, he is very stubborn i think you can certainly see that in uh, when you if you ever go obviously you have been to Stanford bridge you see him on a touchline he'll be pointing making sure people at players are in the right place and it has to be exactly there and if they're not there then he'll have a right old pop at them and he continues to do that throughout the 90 minutes um so yeah um i think the line in that email was very he's very good at it so really we should just let him get on with it i mean there's people like me that write all this stuff about about chelsea and about managers and what they might be doing what right or doing wrong or whatever when in reality he knows a hell of a lot more than i do so perhaps we should just let him get on with it and well he's delivered he's delivered a champions league trophy already um and I wouldn't be surprised if he scoops up another trophy at some point in this season. So yeah, maybe we should just let him get on with it and uh, let him let him work it out as well for himself because it's something that he needs to do over the next couple of weeks. Indeed, and in fact tonight he's just won the FIFA Manager of the Year. So 
you know. Yeah. Emma Hayes got the, the women's as well, uh, the ladies, women's, sorry, women's manager of the year as well. And Edu Mendy was named best goalkeeper in the world as That's well. That's right. So there we go. So, so compared to that, what do I know? Um, I hope that kind of just gives you a different perspective on it, Michael. Um, but I did think you all, I thought, I thought it made me think it did. I thought, well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he's not a pragmatist. It did make me think. So well done you. Right. Last one of the week is from Matt. Oh, by the way, I know that uh, the lovely Nana and uh oh lordy 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 somebody else emailed me both of you missed the cut this week i'm very sorry about that if they're relevant i'll I'll get them out next week uh but uh, yeah you want to get them in kind of sunday i know i say close of play sunday but i'm beginning to do the script a bit earlier than usual i mean if, if chelsea play on a sunday then you know shove them in you know till about kind of 11 o'clock uk time and you might get it in but if it's a if it's a saturday match i'm doing it a bit earlier so i'm sorry about that but there you go right matt scott not that Matt Scott, I'm sure, but hey-ho, you never know, it might be. Anyway, good evening all. Hope everybody is healthy and well. Are you healthy and well? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes, good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All pretty good. 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 Could have done with a bit more positivity, but I'll take that. <laughs> uh, right, so uh, I think it's safe to say that even the most optimistic Chelsea fans have to concede any title hopes now. After that performance on Saturday, it simply wasn't good enough to put a half in uh, City's title, uh, to put a halt into City's title cha- uh, charge. No leadership, no hunger, and no desire. I'm not so sure about that, Matt. I think the, the the issues are just playing badly. Anyway, second in the league and second best on Saturday to the machine that is Man City. You have to congratulate Pep and his players. I don't care how much money someone spends; they pay beautiful, uh, play beautiful football, and every player is drilled to 110 percent of their ability. That extra 10 percent is the difference between City and the rest of us. We had chances, yes, but as we're uh, all aware at this level, you've got to take your chances. Otherwise, you get pants pulled down, something which Chelsea sides over the last few years do have a habit of doing. The only gripe I've got about Saturday was before the game. Tuchel refed to our previ- uh, referred to our previous encounter with City, stating we weren't aggressive enough in the last time we met. So why on earth did he pick Ziyech and Pulisic when we had a fit mountain habits on the bench? Why indeed, Matt? I had the same question. Uh, I just don't understand it, nor do I. Uh, the worst part was bringing Mount on in the 80th minute. Don't get me wrong, though. Tuchel is a fantastic manager on and off the pitch. Anyone can see that. His pre- and post-match interviews are always very honest, and I have no doubt about his guy, uh, this guy's ability to lead us to the very, very top and dominate for years to come. So there's certainly no panic from where I'm sitting. Here's something I'd like to pick your thoughts on and something I'd like to see Tuchel consider while fixing a couple of issues I think we currently have. Lukaku is an issue. He just doesn't play that great without anyone up close to him, in my opinion. And one would assume one of the reasons we play with wing-backs is to get crosses into our big, powerful number nine. This does not happen. And while James and Chilwell are absent, are Dave and Alonso really up to the wing-back task? My second thought is, and I've said this previously, I just don't think Ziyech and Pulisic are good enough to start week in, week out. Great impact subs, but that's about as far as it goes for them. Uh, lastly, Werner, Havertz and Mount have to play for me. Werner is starting to look as if he's working on the physical part of the game. He was great against Spurs midweek and held the ball up well, something he's not done previously. Werner and Mount are workhorses and Havertz will be a top, top player. Solution? Tommy has experimented with a back four in both games against the Dirty Spurs in a 4-2-2-2, which is not the first time in his managerial career he's used it. It worked. We pressed well and we looked comfortable. So how about this? Uh, this is his team selection. Uh, Kepper in goal, no choice. A back four of Dave and Alonso at fullbacks, Rudiger and Silva at centre-half. Two central midfielders of Kante and Kovacic. 
Two advanced midfielders in Mount and Havertz and two forwards uh, with Timo and Lukaku. I really believe this can get the best out of Havertz, Lukaku and Werner, especially the latter if given a proper run of games. What do you lovely people think? All the best, much love and up the fucking chels, Matt Scott. Well, I have to say, uh, JK and Dane and Sam, mm. I, 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 I think he might have a point there. I think he might have a point. I'm, I would be quite enamoured of that selection in a 4-2-2-2. But what do you think? Who wants to bash at that one? Don't all rush at once. <laughs> well, I've got I've got similar. I've I've gone for a little bit ahead of myself, but a similar team to to Brighton tomorrow night. I, I want to see that four two two two. Um, I'm obviously factoring forty eight hours rest uh, for for a couple of the uh, older statesmen of the team, but it's quite similar. I like it. Uh, he's made some good points, and yeah, yeah, you know, well, we we we've, we've sort of mentioned James and Chilwell a lot today. We've sort of mentioned Dave and Alonso are not really up for the wing-back task. Defensively, as we said, Dave was outstanding. Alonso, you know, I think me and me and, me and maybe JK, you know, are different on that, opinion on that. Again, and it's just finding that free because they have strengths, they have good attributes, but it's just finding which works and which balances out best for them. Yeah. Or, or, or in, in, case, in this case, what Matt's going with, It'll be four, won't it? So it'll be two and a two. Yeah, interesting. Well, we shall see. Uh, talking of tomorrow, tomorrow night against Brighton, we're going to be talking about that right up uh, in about um, less than a minute. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Footballfancast.com. Welcome back. This is Stanford Chidge. The Chelsea Fancast rolls on to part four. I've got, I've still got amazing. I'm amazed I'm not sitting here on my own actually at this time of night, but I've got Jonathan Kidd with me. Uh, uh, he's still, <laughs> he really, he's awake really, trust me. Uh, he hasn't actually yawned yet this evening, which is, no, there we go, right on cue. We've also got Dame Whittle. Yeah, evening. Enjoying this. Needed this after Saturday. Yeah, good on you. And we've got the lovely Sam Incasol from Football London for the last time on the Fancast. No, thank you for having me on. As always, chaps, it's been uh, it's been a pleasure over the last twelve months. So yeah, let's uh, let's finish off with uh, hopefully me getting a predicted team right for Brighton. You never know because you and I have a bit of a, a bit of a, a giggle about this because I know you have to do them for Football yeah. London. I I do them out of uh, stupidity for the fan cast really it, it befalls upon me to do it because I've got the I've got the lineup graphic on my phone I think that's, that's the only reason I do it but I know JK likes to pick them apart so here you go it's my team for tomorrow you won't be a ma- I'm, I've actually gone uh, three four uh, two one or three depending on your perception uh, and you'll not really be actually I've gone I've gone a bit weird here I forgot about that bloody hell how bizarre of me was that a typo? Did I press the wrong thing? Maybe not. I don't know. Anyway, Kepper, uh, Saar stays on the left. Apparently, uh, by the way, uh, Christensen is fit and available from COVID, from what I understand, because Tuchel didn't say in his press conference today, he said everybody was... Is, is he is he available or not? He said no one is back. No one is back, because I, I kind of presumed he meant Chaloba, Chilwell, Reese. No, I think he meant, well. I think how he meant it was that no one that was unavailable for right. the city game will be back for this one for Brighton. Yeah, because he 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 um, 
was positive on the morning, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, it was, the, it, it was the round of testing. Yeah, so he, he, he would still be in um, isolation, I think, at the moment. Okay, well, fair enough. I didn't pick him anyway, because that was my presumption. So I've gone Saar, Silva and Rudiger, same back three, same uh, positions uh, as against City. Uh, Alonso, bless his little heart, because there ain't no... Well, I mean, Saar could play left wing back, as, as Dane was saying earlier. So he could if we actually had any more... I don't diff- think he has yet, though, has he? Why would he suddenly pick him as wing back? I think he did... He was- Against yeah, Chesterfield. Sorry, Dane. I think Tottenham away, he was he was quite far up on that left side. Very far up. Yeah, Sam's nodding. Think, um, yeah, he was. Yeah. What's his face? Oh, okay. Lonzo didn't play, did he? No, Lonzo didn't play the second no, leg. Yes, it would have been Saar. Yeah. Saar was up. Yeah, Saar was... Well, it oh, would be a possibility if we actually had more than three fit defenders. Uh, so that's why I've got him where he was playing against City. So Alonso gets... To start again, if his little legs can, can continue it. And that's where I've all gone a bit Pete Tong, actually. I kind of decided that, that you know, Kovacic started playing crap for about the last 20 minutes against City. So I think he's knackered. Uh, Kante uh, didn't have a good game against City because they played very well against him. But I think we have to be very careful with Kante. I'm not so sure if he can manage two games a week at the moment. So therefore, shock, horror, probe. <gasps> Hold the back page. Uh, I've gone for Jorginho. Well, there's no no problem with that. But I've also gone for Saul because I actually think Saul has played quite well recently. And I think he's capable of getting up there and causing a few problems further up the pitch. Uh, but we shall see. And I've gone for Hudson-Odoi as our right wing back because I think Aspie's knackered. Uh, but I can quite conceivably see that Tuchel will disagree with me brave man, but I can see him also, you know, going, I don't know, it'll, it'll be two of Kante, Jorginho and Kovacic, and I think most of us would agree that would be the best, and I can see him playing Dave again on the right, but we shall see. Uh, up front is the front three that I wanted to start against uh, City, which would be Werner, Havertz and Mount. So there you go, JK. I'm surprised you haven't chosen Kennedy, actually. Really? <laughs> what makes you say that? I don't know. I just thought I'd throw him into the mix. Remember, um, he's a solution, but not the solution. No, I, think, I don't think he may ever. I think he might. I, I'd love to see the combination of, of Kennedy, Saul and Barkley play again. Ooh, <laughs> not. Um, uh, I think he'll play Dave again. I don't think he'll put Adoy. I have to say, Adoy looked really sharp when he came on against City. Other than that horrendous free uh, kick. There was another another okay. moment where I went for fuck's sake. Well, it's the free kick and the shot. Yeah, yeah. My goodness me, what a pile of shit that was. Um, but he at least um, he at least uh, gave some kind of energy to the front, to the attack. He'd taken Alonso off anyway, if I remember, so he was really up for attacking. But um, he, he did okay, Adoy, in that. Um, uh, I, I think he'll play Lukaku again. Mm. I just think because uh, you know, I, I, it's not flogging a dead horse to use the. Uh, the, the simile that you uh, you used earlier on for um, for uh, racing terms that we could use for football, but um, I think um, uh, it, it, I think he'll bring Havertz on if Lukaku doesn't do well. I just think he's going to keep playing Lukaku if he can, because Lukaku has to come good. He has to score. I mean, he must. I mean, for goodness' sake, it, I, it doesn't make any sense to me. He'll obviously play Mount, um, and I don't think he'll play. I think he'll play Kovacic again. Uh, even though he's knackered, and I think he'll play Jorginho and Kovacic. Mm. Uh, and I don't think he'll play Conte at all. Um, uh, uh, but yeah, although I think, I think, in actual fact, I'm, I'm not convinced he'll play Werner. I think he'll play Adoy uh, and Mount and Lukaku. Mm. Well, uh, 
you know, Sam, uh, you, you have more pressure on you than me because you have to do this for London. but uh, what would you do? Uh, I'd go the 4-2-2-2. Two, two, two. Um, I thought I'd have Malang Sar, I think, at left-back because uh, Tarek Lanty will be fit for Brighton and we know he is jet-heeled and I think he'd taken Alonso out of the firing line from that one, having had to go up against Sterling, which admittedly did, he did pretty well up against him in the second half, but I'd have Malang Sar in there and then you're back four. Rudiger, Silva, and I I think he'll still pick as Piliqueta. Um, I don't think he'll make any changes there, but he can't if he goes to a four. Um, into midfield, Kante probably won't play because, as you mentioned earlier, yeah, he, playing him twice in very quick succession is a bit of a risk. Um, so I think he'll just probably be a straight swap for, uh, sorry, a straight swap for Jorginho. So Jorginho and Kovacic in the middle there. Um, Mount and Havertz, and then Werner and Lukaku for me would be uh, would be my one which is pretty similar pretty similar to yours but I say um yeah that's what I'd go with yeah I, I wouldn't have a problem with that if he does go for two 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 and I and, and I can see that he might you you reckon he will don't you Dane yeah yeah I'm I'm similar very similar with Sam you know with, with Lamptey back and very pacey uh it would be a good idea to have Sar out there I think, like like I just said, for four two two two, I think our our formation tactics against them a couple of weeks ago they bullied us, uh, and they really outfought us in in lots of parts in the game. And the worrying thing, Jorginho did not have a great day. Uh, I'd still I can see, as I said, with forty eight hours rest for certain players, I can see Jorginho back in. And even though I think Saul uh, uh, deserves to play ahead of Ruben, maybe have Ruben in there just for his height because. You know, with Saar and Dave, you might be lacking height. And like the first leg at Tottenham, I'd have Mount buzzing around like he was, like in a really attacking midfield role. I'd drop Lukaku, I'd have Havertz, and I'd actually give Pulisic and Werner a chance to go direct, use their pace, because obviously Havertz likes to come deep. You know, the main problem against City was is it Joe Cole, you know, superbly said, he was so impressed with Arsenal, Sorry to mention them when they played City because Martinelli and Saka just ran direct, pacey at Man City. And I remember watching that game and Man City wasn't good. They got away with one there and they looked so worried. So if you can just get Pulisic and Werner just running in direct pace and with Havertz dropping deep and Mount buzzing around, I think, you know, that's more than enough to cope with Brian. Mm, I think that's really interesting. I mean, uh, actually, I mean, that's what I was saying on Friday that we needed to play like Arsenal did against City and we could have done. We got the players to do it. So I was, that's why I was I had the hump on Saturday. Uh, bottom line is, uh, you know, Dane's right. Brighton will not be easy. I thought they they were. I thought they were the better side when we when we mm. played them when we drew at the Bridge, um, and uh, I thought they were incredibly profligate against Palace. They battered Palace in reality, but uh, they couldn't put the ball in the back of the net, which has been their problem. I mean, their goal difference is is naught. So they've scored twenty one and let in twenty one. So they they don't score or let in many goals. That's for sure. So they're tough to break down. I thought the interesting thing at the bridge was that they 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 matched us and basically played three four three. So I I wonder if Graham Potter will take a uh, take a punt and go four two two two. I suspect not. Um, but like I said, they don't they don't uh, let many goals in at all. I mean, uh, apart from when they played Everton in that weird old match away where they won three three two. But it's either been one 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 draw specialists one one against us. They beat Brentford two nil recently. Uh, and uh, as I said, there was that Everton match. Um, what I will say, uh, and I'm very relieved to hear this, uh, but Basuma, who who monstered our midfield at the bridge, 
uh, is away on AFCON uh, Cup duty. So that will be a big miss for them and a great hello. That's brilliant for us. And I think Mwepo, Sarmiento are definitely out and Dunk is a doubt. And, I, and Lalana went off with his obligatory injury against Palace. So he might not play. And he has this kind of weird, almost like sweeper role. So uh, I think he's a big player for them. So he'll be a miss if he doesn't play. But I don't know if that's true or not, whether he'll be playing or not. So there you go. It won't be easy. But I do think, uh, I do think, gentlemen, JK first, it's a must win for us, really. We need to get the show back on the road, really, don't we? Yes. I fear, though, that uh, it might be another draw. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. no, we, we, well, what will he do if it looks as if we're not um, winning it? Will he, will he do what he attempted to do against City, which is to take the fullbacks off and, uh, and just go all out attacking? Be interesting to see if he does. But I, I, I think we'll win it, though. I actually think we'll win 2-1. Yeah, I'm, I'm going 2-1, actually. That's what I went on the Prem predictions. I, I think more more because I just feel we've got to win it, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But also because, I think you know, Brighton Brighton just don't score many goals. But I think I can see us conceding one. I'm sorry, this is no slant on or, or slander on Kepa, but... I can just see that we might against them because they can't they can't have as many chances as they create and not score one. Uh, so I've gone two one as well. Uh, Dane, what do you reckon, my old China? Three nil. Three nil. Why so? Ah, uh, normally what I do. I just I, I fancy I fancy I think to, think think it's all going to come together in a good way tomorrow. I, I, you know, I was I was going with two goals. I was either going two nil or three one. And I think, you know, I ain't going to score against us. 3-0, thank you very much. I love it. I love your optimism. That's, that's, <laughs> that is what being Chelsea is all about. And on Monday, you'll come back on the show. Oh, they were bloody rubbish. I should never have said that. No, no I'm sure that won't happen. Anyway, uh, I'm going to leave the last word uh, on this to you, Sam. What, what do you think? Because you, you have a kind of a slightly more impartial view, so it's quite interesting to hear what you have to say. Yeah, I think I probably the complete polar opposite to Dane, actually. I think it's going to be an incredibly tight game. And I think if Chelsea are going to win it, it might be a 1-0. Um, I think, yeah, Brighton, and I say they don't concede a lot of goals, but uh, sorry, they don't score a lot of goals, but they also don't concede a lot. I really like their left wing back, Kukurea. I think he's a really good player as well. He's a real danger to watch out for. Uh, Bissouma is obviously a huge miss for them. Leandro Trossard in the middle there. I really like him as a player as well. Um, but yeah, I think... Well, I'm expecting a response from Chelsea for sure from from Saturday. Um, but I think just in the way that they've been playing over recent weeks, they might just eke out a, am I allowed to use the word shithouse, one nil win? Um, I think that might be the way that they might do it. I think this weekend, uh, this weekend on 48 hours hours rest and just try and get, get a result over the line and get them back to winning ways. I can't see it being too extravagant. I think, yeah, a tight one nil win. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of sense to that. Uh, Sam and I think again that's the context within which we have to approach the game you know they had a very very hard game on Saturday and oh look because of the TV they're playing on Tuesday night so they've had absolutely no rest half the squad are still fatigued mentally and physically from what's been going on since the beginning of December and you know it it, you know I'm tempted to say it's really not very fair at all and I do feel for the players and Tuchel but there you go it's a good point JK isn't it they is knackered that's true well, in which case he might play a completely different side. Well, he might might play, I don't know, uh, Wimbledon Kennedy. or something. Kennedy. <laughs> no, that's what you mean, clever, clever Chidge. Very good. <laughs> I said different side, meaning team, and you've chosen another another side. Yeah. You've chosen Wimbledon. Yeah, it's clever. Yeah. yeah. No, I meant 
players. Okay. Well, they've done a really good job on Lukaku. Did I know he scored in that game, but they really done a good job on him. And I remember a couple of years going going to Brighton, and we had uh, uh, Hazard, William, and uh, Bashwai buzzing around, and we scored a. I think two or three goals within the space of a couple of minutes. So that's why I thought we, you know, with Havertz, Pulisic, Werner and Mount, just giving them something different to think about. They're two bulky defenders. I think buzzing around, we could really do a job on them with my optimistic 3-0 prediction. Mm. I'd rather have Batshuayi playing at the moment than Lukaku, isn't it? That's really shit, isn't it? But that says it all. I don't think we'll win 3-0 if Lukaku's playing. I have to be really honest. I think if we had... You know, Werner uh, and Havertz and, and, and Mount, and you know, in whatever combination, maybe add in another one in your four two two two. I think we might, but there you and go. Gigi actually may play all of those three because all of the, as we were saying, because they haven't been playing. Yeah. In a rest. That may be yeah. the reason why he plays them all. Yeah, well, we shall see. Uh, Dean, uh, Dane, sorry, you're going tomorrow, aren't you? Yeah, I'm with Dan tomorrow. Yeah, D- oh, Dan. there we go. Dane and Dan. I forgot that. It's actually triple D, isn't it? Because I'm sure Dan, 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 Dan will be well up for a coup, wouldn't he? I can see Dan being up for a coup, can't you, JK? Yeah, oh, completely. The three Ds. The three Ds. Yeah, there we go. The Chelsea fan cast in 3D. I can see yeah. it now. Perfect. Wear, wear your glasses to, to listen to the show. Perfect. <laughs> uh, look, uh, Dane, have a great time. Uh, give uh, give my old mate Dan a big hug. Have a beer or two with him, and hope you yeah, really, really yeah. enjoy it. It's a great, it's a great uh, little away trip that as well. So quite local bit, for you, isn't it? Bit awkward. To, well, I'm, I am a little bit further away tomorrow because I'm working, but yeah, it's a bit awkward to get to. I think Dan says he's going up lunchtime, so God knows what state he'll be in by the time I get to see him. But... He'll be shit faced, mate. <laughs> you know it. You know it. Or as, or as we like to say, this is what we like to see. I think he's badly influenced by that 1905 lot. I think he might be going up with them early. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. bloody hell. He's too, he's too old for that shit, mate. Mind you, <laughs> they're not all, all spring chickens and they're lovely people. That has to be said, especially Tracy, who I'm very fond of. Uh, all right. OK, that's enough from us this week. Uh, now, JK and I will be back. Guess what? We'll be back on Friday. Did you know this, JK? Are you going to ask me if I was going? I thought, I, oh, I didn't. I'm sorry. I just presumed you would be. Oh, thank you. That's got, You got out of that very well. <laughs> <laughs> really well. <laughs> well. Are you going, JK? I am. Who knew? <laughs> you going on your Todd or are you going with some chums? If I went on my Todd, I'd be really a bit sad, wouldn't you? Would, I, wouldn't really? you? I'm going with some chums. Are you not Simon from Windsor? Uh, I, hope, I hope to meet him there. I hope to meet him. Yeah, your new and best chum. Though he, he was reluctant to uh, to accept my handshake when I said I've enjoyed standing. It was next. COVID, mate. Nobody wants to shake hands at the moment. Oh, I never thought of that. Oh, uh, yeah, you're right. What about your number, J.K.? Did you give him that? Uh, number nine, I gave him. Did you give him your business card? Peter, Peter Osgood's number. What business card? <laughs> How many cards? JK, have a great time, mate. I know you will. Stay safe. Can we expect another fan bite from you on tomorrow night? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Good man. I'm loving the fan bites. They're brilliant. Right. Anyway, JK and I will be back on Friday for the Chelsea Fancast preview show when we will have Martin Wickham with us if he's not still on his sick bed. I hope he's all right. I should ping him a message, make sure he's okay. Uh, and of course, we've got Adam Newson with us in our regular journo slot on uh, on the free preview show from, of course, That's from. That's rare. I know. It's amazing, isn't it? So Adam's going to go. I've got to, got to find a sub for Sam now, haven't I? I can't, otherwise, I'll be like canteing Adam. We can't have that. You know, better, better get on the phone to Liam again, hadn't I? 
<laughs> Mind you, he's back working now, so he might be more up for it anyway. Yeah, so me, JK, Martin Wickham and Adam on Friday, we'll be looking back at the Brighton uh, game, obviously, and ahead to another match against Spurs on Sunday. Goodness gracious me. Uh, now, the Chelsea fancast and Dean and Dane and James uh, went to Mo King's Meadow are all available as podcasts on ChelseaFanCast.com, Acast, Apple, SoundCloud and Spotify, as well as other rubbish podcast distributors. And I did mention patreon a minute ago we had lots of new people join up and massive massive thank you i do owe you all messages and banners and discord links i'll get on it as soon as i can uh and it's brilliant that you all all, all do it i love you all for it it just does help me cover the costs of running the show etc etc and uh, keeping us going as we like to do um but there's no pressure there really is no pressure whether you donate or not i don't mind i love you all equally if you do fantastic as little or as much as you want um there's no pressure at all uh if you do you can sign up at patreon.com forward slash Chelsea fancast. And as I said, if you do, I will, if you want one, I'll send you a Kerry Dixon mini banner, a replica of the one hanging in the Matthew Harding upper. And of course, the link to join our brilliant Discord group, which is actually great fun. And most of the people on Mixler are also in the Discord group. So you can just carry on the chat 24-7 if you want. Simples. Uh, there we go. Now, uh, thank you for the emails. As I said, if you want them on air, try and get them in on Sunday. Uh, you can also send us a message on Patreon or Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. We will get your messages out on the show if you send them in. And the address for the email is chelseafancast at gmail.com. Right, you can follow the show on Twitter, as I said, at Chelsea Fancast, and it's Chelsea Fancast for Instagram and and our Facebook page as well. So it's just one address for the lot. Uh, I'm uh, at Staffordshire. Jonathan is Jonathan Kidd. Dane is dwit9, and Sam is Sam underscore Incasol. So that's pretty much it. Uh, JK, it's been lovely to see you as always this week. Enjoy tomorrow, obviously. I'll have a jolly good go. I'm going there early, so we're going to... Uh... Get, get it on the beer with Dan, are you? Um, <laughs> possibly not, but um, uh, I'll have some very strong coffees, so yes. I might be slightly jittery by the time the game starts. I don't know. The idea of a jittery JK at a game is mm, not so sure. I'd like to see a jittery. I'd like to see a jittery fan bite afterwards. That would oh, that would be very yeah, yeah. amusing. Uh, mate, enjoy yourself tomorrow. Bring three points home as well. Uh, Dane and Dan, obviously, enjoy yourselves tomorrow evening. I should be very jealous sitting there watching in my armchair. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I really enjoyed tonight. It was nice meeting Dylan. Mm. Obviously, I, I wish you know it sounds really good. What obviously what they're putting together. I'd like to wish obviously everyone safe travels up to Chelsea, and also like to wish Sam. Good luck with his new venture as well. Well, there we go. You beat me to it by a whisker. Yeah, Sam, I, I mean, I know we said at the beginning of the show, um, we've been very, very grateful for you putting in the hours you have on here. It's very lovely of you to do that because you, you work hard enough as it is, but you've been a real pleasure and a delight on the fan cast for the last year and we wish you all the luck in the future. No, I really appreciate that, mate. And Dane, JK, everyone else that I've been on with, I really appreciate all your help for the, over the last 12 months. Uh, I came into Chelsea as a complete newbie um, and, and went back in last January and you've helped me learn a lot about the club and the history of the club and I'll forever be grateful for that. And uh, if I'm ever around then, uh, and if you want to invite me back on, I can sort of come and chat football with you guys for two and a half hours. It doesn't bother me at all. Love to, any time, mate. Um, can I just say that it's been bizarre that, that we've created a friendship vicariously through Zoom. Mm. Just find that. <laughs> absolutely sign of the times completely yeah. but, um, but you've been great Sam coming on you've been absolutely brilliant um, thank you. 
you're a sweet chap and you've just been so informative we love it thank you so much yeah absolutely uh, thanks jk yeah i think these boys don't understand actually the the, the, the insight that they bring to the show because you know yeah. they're, they're working on it every day unlike us and that's why they're so valued by us all i'm going to ask you one more question sam don't don't look too worried um, I was going to say, what's been your favourite moment following Chelsea for the last year? Uh, Champions League final. Yeah, You were out there, weren't you? Yeah, I was. But, um, I was pulled 18-hour days for three days straight um, out in Porto. But at, at the time when it was, um, when there was only about 10,000 people, uh, fans, sorry, 15,000 fans were allowed in there. And it was when Portugal was one of, what, two countries on the green list and people were able to go. Um, it was an incredibly fortunate time for me um, and it was a career ambition of mine that was fulfilled so yeah it was uh, if I'm allowed to be egotistical there then yeah it definitely was Champions League final for me it's a moment I'll never forget and it also did help that Chelsea wanted to make my job a bit easier yes yeah. indeed yeah as a, as a fan of, of many years it was my greatest experience ever watching them as well absolutely agree with you wonderful, mm. wonderful. Well, wasn't mine because I wasn't there that simple no. I no. said that deliberately just to I know it's alright you know <laughs> Munich, mate. You can't ever beat the first time, mate. Yeah, it's true. It's true. You can't. I was there as well, of course. But anyway, yeah, you can't beat. Lovely. What a bitchy note to end on this week. Well done, JK. Uh, Sam, yet again, once uh, once again, in fact, brilliant. Irony, kid. Irony. 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 How do, Amer- how do Americans say irony? Arr. <laughs> That's close enough. I think we better go before I, I get, before my wife divorces me, amongst other things. Anyway, thanks for listening. See you next uh, next Friday. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chills. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com.